characteristics of the believers in the beginning first Allah said that indeed the believers are the ones who will succeed by this Allah is refuting the concept that success can be had in this world or on the basis of wealth or success or social standing or degrees or pedigree or physical beauty or a particular profession or a particular hobby Allah is going to be attained by the believers. It means here that the criteria of Iman, criteria of success is Iman. Only and only Iman. And those who have Iman, they will be the successful ones. Indeed, verily, truly, the believers are sure to succeed. Then who are these believers? Alladina. From Alladina onward, Allah is going to mention six attributes of the believers. And there will be a few more attributes that come a bit later, shortly in the surah. But initially, Allah is going to mention six attributes. Number one, These are those people who in their salah are humble in their salah. They have humility in their salah. Khushu. Khushu means this is talking not just praying. This is beyond something that's praying. For us, we would think mu'mineen would be those who pray salah. Here Allah spawns us saying, mu'mineen are those who are humble in their salah. Humble means that number one, outwardly and inwardly they're focused on Allah SWT. Their outward body is humbled. Outward body is humbled means they don't fidget, they don't play with their beard, they're not moving around, they don't look around. Their physical self, their zahir is humbled by the fact that they are praying in front of Allah SWT. Internally, and they don't haste, they don't pray quickly, because when you're humbled and they pray deliberately with the consciousness, in terms of their batin feeling, batin means that their focus, internal heart's focus and awareness is on Allah Subhanahu and on what they're saying. So this means that the true believers are those who focus on Allah Subhanahu wa intently inside their salah. How to get this khushu in salah? Normally we mention this in two easy ways, three easy ways, right? Very, very briefly, we've elaborated on this in other occasions. Number one is that you should try to pray two rakats a day, whether that is part of your regular routine, such as the two sunnah muqqadah after maghrib, or the two sunnah before fajr, or the two sunnahs after zahar, or two nafil salah. But you should try to pray at least two salahs where from start to finish you're really intensely focusing on the quality of your salah. As opposed to praying out of duty, out of obligation, because it's time. That's why I'm suggesting nafil to actually pray an extra prayer to show to Allah Ta'ala that Allah Ta'ala don't just pray out of duty or obligation, out of requirement. Sometimes I pray out of love and passion and desire. So when you make that niyyah and then you try to focus on your salah, in order to focus on your salah, one thing you do need to know is the meanings of prayer. The most people in this country, from this segment of society, actually know the superficial transition of prayer. So the next step then is you have to learn how to feel the feeling of salah. 
For that we mention two options easy and easier or easier and easiest easier way is to just focus on the meanings of Surah Al-Fatiha which we did last year, we done on many occasions try at the very least in every entire rakah at least Surah Al-Fatiha I should say with meaning but with feeling that meaning what does it mean? so for example when you say Alhamdulillah all of you know what that means that all praise belongs to Allah Subhanahu Feeling the meaning means your heart should feel it. It should be heartfelt hamd. Not that you just recite it or you recite words even that you know the meaning. Your heart has to feel the feeling of praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise you haven't attained this khushu what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about in salah. So once we give a talk on all of Fatah explaining all of the meanings and how to feel each and every single meaning of Fatah that you can listen to on the website. Easiest way if you really want to start from bare bones, is okay that in your sajda, feel the meaning of the sentence, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la. In other words, say, okay, at least in the whole rakat, if I feel nothing else, at least when I'm in sajda, and I say these words, Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, I should be able to say them with feeling. Subhan means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is glorious and tremendous and amazing, has every single wonder and perfection, is free from the possibility of any flaw or defect. Rabbi, he is my Rabb. Such an Allah who is Subhan, he is mine. You should feel like that when you say Subhan Rabbi and Sajna. Al-A'la, he is the exalted, the greatest. So just like you would be so happy, your heart would be brimming if you had the greatest car. If you have an A'la car, you're so happy, you tell people it's mine. If you have an A'la degree, you tell people it's mine. So Allah Ta'ala is Al-A'la and He is Rabbi, He is my Rabb, means you should feel that He is your Rabb. So at the very least make this commitment that every time I'm in Sajda, I will at least try to feel Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala and the meanings of what I'm saying in my Sajda. So this is the first attribute of the believers that they should feel Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. The second thing you should know about Salah, another aspect of Khushu, if you could Reflect on this, this is a hadith narrated by Sayyidina Abu Dhar al-Ghafari and transmitted by Imam Abu Dawood in his Sunan and it is authentic hadith and in this hadith called Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi sallam the Prophet said لا يزال الله عز وجل مقبلا على الأبد وهو في صلاته that Allah SWT does not turn his attention does not divert his attention away from a abd, a servant and slave of his when that slave is worshipping him in Salah مَا لَمْ Until that servant turns away Only when the servant turns away then does Allah SWT turn away So what does this mean? It means that the second you enter Salah and you turn your attention towards Allah SWT Allah Ta'ala, although He is always generally aware of us He turns His special gaze towards us And Allah Ta'ala doesn't turn away until you turn away and the Muhaddisin have written by turning away it doesn't just mean by saying salam. Even after you say salam, you remain seated where you are, Allah Ta'ala is still gazing on you. This is what we call it, Allah Ta'ala puts the spotlight on you when you start praying. He doesn't take his spotlight off until you get up and leave. That's why this was an ada, a sunnah of the Salihin, Sahaba, the Biyakirin, that they would remain seated after they prayed salah making some dhikr, making some du'a, or even just sitting there and basking and relishing and reveling 
and letting the lingering pleasure, enjoying the pleasure of salah that was lingering, so you should remain seated a little bit after your salah, and when, and during your salah, you should be aware that Allah Ta'ala's attention is upon you, that will help a person become more humble and submissive to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Then Allah Ta'ala in Quran Kareem mentions the next attribute of the believers, so the second, so first, most important, the tartib is important here. So the very first sifa attribute that Allah Ta'ala mentions is that they're humble in prayer. Second, that they are those believers are those people, the mu'minun are those people who avoid nonsense and futility. Things that are futile, nonsense, pointless, without benefit. All of that in Arabic is called love. Love. That they leave those things. Why? Well, there are four categories of things in this world that we're supposed to leave. Number one is haram. Those things that are prohibited and forbidden by Allah SWT. Second things that are makruh. Those things that are disliked by Allah SWT. Number three, the mushtabih, the doubtful. Things that we are unsure whether they're halal or haram. The gray areas. And fourth is love. Love means those things that are 100% halal. Yes. Not makruh. No doubt about it either. 100% guaranteed halal. But they have no benefit in terms of the akhirah. They have no benefit in terms of our relationship to Allah subhanahu It's just wastefulness, idleness, futile, pointless, nonsense activity or speech. That is called love. And here Allah Ta'ala is saying in the Quran, that who are the mu'mineen? That they are those who stay away from love altogether. I'rad means they spurn it, they stay away from it, they turn their backs on it. And this is something similar to Allah mentioned in Surah Surah 28, verse 55. That when they listen to something that is futile, that is vain, that is nonsense, they turn away from it. And they say, Lana a'maluna walakum a'malukum. To us will be our deeds and to you will be your deeds. Salamun alaykum and may peace be upon you. La nabtaqil jahileen. We do not wish to engage with the ignorant. So, what is another example of Quran? What is also love means argumentation and disputing with someone who is stubborn. Talking to someone who is open minded, who is sincerely seeking who really wishes to learn, that is fine. But Allah is saying in the Quran that trying to engage someone who is stubborn, who does not have any intention whatsoever to accept what you're saying, they're only engaging you to impress their view on you, right? Then one should do erals from them, turn away from them and say, Lana amaluna, that we will have what to us we will get the recompense of what we do and you will get the recompense of what you do and say salam to them so that we wish peace be upon you but we cannot engage you so that is one example of love that is mentioned in Quran al-Karim so and look, if you look at our lives we are the complete opposite of that I'll give you another example as Mantan says in Quran in Surah 25 verse 72 Sorry, this is Surah Furqan, verse 72. The earlier one that I recited was Surah Qasas. I just recited was Surah Qasas, Surah 28, verse 55. The next ayah is Surah Furqan, Surah 25, verse 72. Allah says about his ibad, his servants and slaves, وَإِذَا مَرُّ بِاللَّغْوِ 
when they even pass by love, even when they walk past love, they walk by kiraman with honor and dignity. Means they don't even indulge in it. So compare these three ayat of Quran al-Kareem to the way we are, right? We are totally, and many of us are still in haram, right? We're still tempted by makruh. We are still engaged in the doubtful. And Allah Ta'ala Quran in three ayat, just more than, but three that I recited to you, is saying that the mu'mineen leave love. They walk past it, they pass by it. They're not interested in kiram and they maintain their dignity. So love means we're really wasting our time. Time is too valuable. Our tongue is too valuable. Right? And the mature adult, and mature adult in deen of Islam means you're already 16, you're a mature adult. And 20 means the height of maturity. And then a person stays at that height of maturity from 20 to 40. After 40 they begin the entry into old age. At 60 they enter old age. From 60 to 80 they remain in old age. And after 80 then Allah Ta'ala gives them bonus years. <laughs> That's what after. This is the Islamic concept of human development. So we don't have time to engage in idle pastimes. And there's a lot of people who say, oh I'm too busy. You're not too busy. You're not too busy in your jobs, your studies. You're too busy in love. You're too busy in idle and futile pastimes and hobbies and occupations to be serious about your deen and Allah subhanahu wa Whether that is futile sleeping, right? Whether that is futile entertainment and recreation. So people have to get serious to Allah subhanahu wa saying in the Quran, who are the mu'mineen? They're the ones who are serious. They're serious people. They're people of resolve. They're driven. They're serious. They have a mission. In fact, so much so that Nabi Akrim Sallallahu said in a hadith, and this is narrated in uh, Sayyidina Anas Wadilatallahu narrates this hadith, and this has been transmitted in the collection of Imam al Tirmidhi, and it's also an authentic hadith. And Sayyidina Sallallahu Alaihi said that you have been conveyed the glad tidings when a certain Sahaba passed away. A certain Sahaba passed away, and the other Sahaba said that, oh, he will enter Jannah. So Sayyidina Rasulullah said that, addressed that Sahaba, and you are conveying the glad tidings of Jannah, whereas it is possible that that Sahaba, فَلَأَلَّهُ تَكَلَّمَ فِي مَا لَا يَعْنِهِ It's possible that he used to talk about things that didn't concern them. He engaged in idle talk, love, for a Sahaba. Sayyidina Rasulullah says, you are so sure he's gone to Jannah, maybe he engaged in love, Right? And what does that mean? That means maybe that will delay his entry or hamper his chances into entering Jannah. And another day, the Bayakrim Sassam, Min Husni Islam in Bari Tarkuhu Malayatni. Min Husni Islam in Bari Tarkuhu Malayatni. That from the beauty and excellence of a person's Islam is that that person leaves, is his leaving all of those things that don't concern them. Which we mentioned to you earlier a few days ago mind your own business. Right? This is what Allah Ta'ala wants us to be. So we save our time. Save our time. Right? And this hadith, this last hadith was also narrated by Imam Tirmidhi in his Kitab al-Zuhud. So means the Muhaddisin viewed this as falling under the concept of Zuhud. Zuhud means that a person is only engaged in this world to the extent that they need it to the extent that they can have a reasonable level of comfort and to the extent anything in the world can be a means for them to attain the akhir. Other than that, they have no interest in engagement and involvement in the world whatsoever. And that is called Zohar. 
They're not interested in the allure, attraction, beauties and pleasures of this world. So now one can imagine, right, that if so much has been said in Quran and Hadith about leaving love, then imagine what's going to happen to that person who still hasn't left the mushtabih, the doubtful, or who hasn't left what is makrood, the disliked, or hasn't left the haram, what is prohibited and forbidden. So we should remember that this is the characteristic of the believers that they even leave love. So imagine how entirely they may have left those other things. Third channel, So this can be translated in two ways. The first outward translation is that those who fulfill the act of paying zakah. Here, fa'ilun means that those who are regular, literally means doers, those who regularly pay their zakah. They are considered fa'il of this amal of paying zakah. Right? And uh, so it means that, the, I mean the term, the strong sense of here of fa'il means that they pay it regularly, they pay it happily, they don't try to seek a zakat reduction, they don't go to ten muftis looking for the zakat loophole. No, they estimate it generously. Then fa'ilun, they pay it actively, they actively try to get that zakat to those who are the most needy of their zakat. They are fa'ilun, they try to spread that zakat into multiple ways so that they can contribute to multiple needs of Islamic society. So that's the real nature of the mu'min. He takes his amal of zakat passionately. Whereas the best of us, we just drop an envelope in one box one time a year without really knowing where it's going to go. Fa'idun are actively taking out their zakat, actively distributing their zakat. So that is one attribute. And that is what the ayah means. But the meaning of zakat itself means to purify. So some of the mufassirun have said that here zakat means in there, regularly, actively purifying themselves. What does that mean? They're doing their tazkiyah, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says elsewhere in Quran, that indeed successful is that person who has purified their nafs. In another place, Allah Ta'ala says, and successful is that person who has done their tazkiyah. So those who are regularly, repeatedly, actively, dynamically purifying themselves from evil traits, evil habits, lust, hatred, anger, jealousy, arrogance, etc., purifying their deeds from evil deeds. This can also be referred to here. And like I've told you now many times, one ayah can have multiple meanings simultaneously. Fourth attribute Allah mentions was verse number five. And they are those who safeguard their organs. Right? They do hifaza of their furuj, which is plural of faraj. Literally it means they do hifaza of their uh, of their personal organs, right? This shows, right, that Allah subhanahu wa has deliberately chosen to use an explicit way to refer to this to show that this is an explicit sin and those who literally guard themselves in this manner illa except Allah azwajihim, those spouses of theirs in nikah or ma malakat aymanuhum or those whom their right hand possesses fa'innuhum and that if they uh, they are without blame if they have relations with any of those those two categories of people so in that case they will be without blame so here what does it mean that anything other than that let's put it this way to make you understand any indulgence any type of indulgence self-indulgence indulgence outside of nikah 
any indulgence other than what is mentioned here, spousal relations inside nikah, is going to be malumin, there will be malumin, there will be reproach and blame. Every other type of thing is blameworthy and reproachful. So this is another attribute, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioning of the mu'mineen. Some have said that if you do this in tertib, in the sense that if a person is having trouble with attribute number four, they should fix one, two, and three. If they become humble in praying, there's a salah. If they stay away from love, and especially staying away from love will protect a person from a lot of inappropriate, immodest, lustful desires. Right? And if they regularly actively give their zakah, or if you took in other sense, they regularly dynamically do their tadkiyah, these three things will help a person in number four, will help make a person better able to safeguard their modesty and chastity. Then Allah SWT in continuation with this number four says, And whosoever seeks and wants to do more than this, who seek beyond this what Allah Ta'ala has allowed them for beyond the spouse for al-adun then indeed such people will be adun they will be transgressors they will have considered to have gone beyond the limits that Allah Ta'ala has prescribed for them right so this is a very important thing that we have certain limits that we have to be in fifth attribute of the believers that they are the ra'un that they are those who with their amanat and ahad means their trust that have been bestowed upon them and their promises, they honor them. They honor the trust and the promises. And this is a very big aspect of our deen as well. As Sayyidina Rasulullah is stressed in many different hadith that a person must fulfill their trust. In one hadith, Sahih hadith narrated by Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal is Musnad, Nabiya Karim said, La imana liman la amana talahu. That a person will not be considered to have iman. Who is la amana talahu? As a person will be considered bereft of iman if they are found to be bereft of amana. They are bereft of trustworthiness. They do not return the trust that have been deposited with them. They do not honor the trust that have been deposited with them. Alright, what is this amana? So there are three types of amana. Once we gave you a whole talk on this as well. One is the amanat between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The trust and the bond between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means the abd-rab relationship. To be his true servant and slave. Second is the amanat between us and Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu And that means the trust between him and us is the ummati nabi relationship. And for us to be true to that means that we follow his teachings and his life and his sunnah. And that we love him and then we send salawat on him. Third sense of amana is what you give to one another. You leave something behind with someone. You deposit it as a trust. Or you speak words to them that you want them to hold in confidence. You can find in them some matter. Whether just to share it with them or to consult them to get their advice. And you expected that to be a confidence between you and them. That is also an amana. This is why Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Hadith and Abu Dawud and others Al-Majalus bil Amana That the gatherings are a trust or a sacred trust between people Right? What does this mean? At the same time we wouldn't want people to misunderstand uh, If somebody says something to you Right? And if they begin or preface that discussion 
that what I'm about to tell you I want you to hold in confidence right okay if they start saying something and you say okay fine and if while they talk you realize it is something that you can't hold in confidence you should interrupt them you should say before you go any further I want to let you know that this topic that you're raising with me is not something I will be able to hold in confidence and if they continue to talk to you then so be it right and if they stop talking to you so be it but you have informed them right and secondly second exemption to second exemption or an exemption to this if somebody tells you something but it is something sinister something foul something damaging something harmful then you don't have to hold that in confidence if holding in confidence means aiding and abetting a crime so we don't have the lawyer client privilege in that sense right uh, the highest privilege is to the deen and sharia and the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the biyakreem sallallahu alayhi wa so holding somebody's words in confidence means that some harm something that the deen views to be harm right will occur and betraying the confidence means that you could alleviate certainly remove that harm and in such a situation you are allowed to betray that confidence alright Once, you know, this happens in our line as well. Somebody comes to me and says, you know, X did so and so, but they told me, please don't tell Shaykh. Right? Allah <laughs> Akbar. So when they say that at the end, you are not bound by that. You're not bound by that. And they cannot quote the Sadiq to you, Al Majalis Bil Amana, if they say this to you at the end. If they say to you at the start, that I'm going to tell you something that I don't want you to tell someone, then in the middle, again, you may have to interrupt them and tell them that's just not going to be possible. But if they tell you a whole long thing and at the end tell you this, that please don't tell X, you're not bound by that. That's not an agreement that's come at the end. It's too late now, right? You may choose to, ba- may choose to accept that and you may choose not to accept that. But my experience has been anytime anybody has come and told me that, that really it's always been something that in the deen would be harm. And sometimes it's abuse. Sometimes it's abuse. You know, literally we've had unfortunately, you know, somebody abuses someone and then they tell them not to tell me. And the person obviously is going to come tell me because they need help and how to get out of that abuse, right? And they do the right thing by doing so. And nobody can quote to them this hadith al-majalus ibn amana as a little on their side. Then one last thing I'll mention to you about this sign, about the believer that they are true to their trust and their promises. So Sahih Bukhari Sayyidina Rasulullah Sassama the narrative by Sayyidina Murira Tanunu, the Alamatul Munafiq. This is in the Bab of Alamat al-Munafiq, the chapter on the signs of the hypocrite. So the Prophet said, Ayatul al-Munafiq, the sign of hypocrite, Salatun, is three. When he speaks, he lies. And when he makes a promise, he goes back on that promise. And if you bestow a trust or confidence in him, he betrays that trust. So again, we don't ever want to do anything in our life, right? That is what the munafiqeen do. We don't want to have any attribute in us that has been described in our deen as an attribute of the munafiqeen. And then the sixth sign now, number six, which many of us may have thought would have been number four, one, <clears throat> and they are preserving their prayers, they are watchful over their prayers. They are steadfast in their prayers. They regularly observe their prayers. So this refers to the offering of salah. 
first of the six signs was being humble and salah. Sixth of the six signs was performing regularly, observing the salah. Right? So it shows for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the batin of salah is the most important thing. The feelings in salah is the most important thing. But yes, this is also an attribute of the believers that they are regular and steadfast in their salah. What does it mean, number one, that they offer it at the proper time? Number two, they try to offer it earlier in the time. Number three, that they offer all of them in totality. This is also what it means, yuhafidun. Right, if we gave you some money and told you to hifaza, but we gave you $100 and then you give us $71 back, you haven't done hifaza. Hifaza means that you safeguarded all of the money. So hifaza means that they pray all, not that they pray some and miss some and skip some. Right? One indeed in the narrated by Sayyidina Abad ibn Sabbath, but the Lord Allah transmitted by Imam Dawud in his Sunan authentic date that Sayyidina Rasulullah said, that Allah subhanahu wa has made five prayers obligatory. If anyone will perform a proper wudu for them, offer those five prayers at their proper time, and try to perfect the ruku and sajda in them, then Allah subhanahu wa will forgive them. Allah subhanahu wa will forgive them. And if anyone does not do so, وَمَنْ لَمْ يَفْأَلْ And whomsoever does not do that, فَلَيْسَ لَهُ عَلَى اللَّهِ أَحَدٌ That there is the no promise and covenant and guarantee for him on the part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Insha'Allah, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes, he will forgive him. وَإِنشَاءَ أَذَّبَهُ Allah ta'ala will punish him. Right? So this is another concept of Ahad, the Abdurrahim relationship. Our part of the contract is to be regular in our salah, perform wudu, ruku and sajda properly, be particular about our salah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will and upon us is forgiveness. So for those mu'minun, kad aflah al-mu'minun, so what is their falah, those mu'minun who have these six signs, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, al barithun, that these mu'minin, they will be those who are, these are the inheritors. What will they inherit? Alladheena yarithun al-firdos, they will inherit jannat al-firdos, the highest level of jannah, هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ And they will dwell in that Jannatul Firdos forever. So if you wanted a six-step program to get Jannatul Firdos, Allah Ta'ala mentioned that to you in Surah Mu'minun, the first 11 ayat of Surah Mu'minun. And this is why a person is not involved in love. What, could, what pastime and hobby and occupation could there be in this world that would be more worthwhile for us to give us our for us to give it our time than trying to get genital for those. Just so you know, what is genital for those? So genital for those is the highest level of Jannah. In one sense, Allah SWT has made, broadly speaking, seven levels of Jannah. Seven levels of Jannah. But another hadith in Bukhari, Allah SWT has mentioned that there are 100 levels of Jannah just for the Mujahideen. Just for the Mujahideen. So this is in the Sayyid Bukhari Kitab al-Jihad. And what is that hadith that Sayyidina Rasulullah said? That whoever... Here, I'll just mention, watch Allah mention the whole thing. Sayyidina Muhammad said that the Prophet said that whoever believes in Allah SWT, 
and his messenger messenger and established the prayer of Ramadan and fast in the month of Ramadan then if they have a right on Allah that they will get that Allah Ta'ala will admit them into Jannah so Salah and fasting Ramadan and Iman you can do all of that in this month <laughs> you can fulfill the Hadith in this month and get the haq that Allah Ta'ala has promised it to a person that he will admit them into Jannah now next part of this Hadith which will make you happy but it's a tragedy that it will make you happy whether such a person who with Iman, Salah and fasting goes forth in Jihad or remains literally on the earth in the place in which he was born means it okay if you don't do Jihad you can still get into Jannah but then the Hadith continues فَقَالُوا لَنْ نَسَحَبَ سَنْ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ سَلَمْ أَوْبَلَهَبِ الْمَسْنِجَ سَلَمْ أَفَلَا نُبَشِّرُ النَّاسِ Should we not go out and tell the people this glad tidings? So then the Prophet said, okay, look, what are they thinking? Right? The glad tidings is that we can have Iman and praise the Salah and fast month of Ramadan and whether we go for Jihad or not, Jannat is ours. So called the Nabi Akhrisan finished the story that in the Jannati Mi'ata Jarajatin Mujahideena fi But within that Jannah there are one hundred highest darajat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised them exclusively to the Mujahideen fi that those who struggle and strive for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this earth. And then Allah the Nabi Akhrisan and the distance between each of those two daraja is the same distance between the sama as the same distance between the earth and the heavens so then and therefore whenever you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for jannah ask Allah ta'ala it is the best of Jannah and the highest level of Jannah and on top of it who Arsh Rahman and there is that Jannah that on top of which is the Arsh of Allah Rahman the All, My, All Merciful Allah Subhanahu so that is Jannah for Firdaus right question somebody will ask is that here Allah Ta'ala in Surah Mu'minun is mentioned Firdaus and there is no mention of Jihad anywhere in Surah Mu'minun right yes alright the Rift between this and you know, all this very good thing for you to understand. You should be very careful. I should. I have not mentioned this yet to this year. What I'm about to say is extremely important. You will have people who will speak to you, and they will try to suggest to you that there is some hadith that contradict Quran. There is some hadith and some ayat of Quran that have contradiction in them. And I just posed a question like that to you. The hadith in Sahih Bukhari. 100% clear that 100 darajat in Jannah are promised only for the Mujahideen. And number one of those 100 is Jannatul Firdaus. Right? And then there was say Surah Mu'minun mentions Firdaus. And there's no mention of Jihad in those six attributes. And then they will take you in a whole world. After showing you this, that Hadith is, you know, you cannot rely on it or this, that, whatever. Your answer should always be, that okay, Janabi Ali. 
Dear respected sir, that yes, in your akal, this passage of Quran and that hadith appear to be in contradiction. But before I take it on face value, should I not foresee have the Mufassirin and Muhaddithin talked about this at all? Is there a way that they've explained it such that there is no contradiction? That is what they never show you. And that is what you yourself don't know because you have not studied the Islamist tradition. It also shows you cannot study Quran and Hadith without the ulama of Quran and ulama of Hadith. Others you will be misled. Right now you will be misled. If I just recite the verses, recite the Hadith in Bukhari, you'll say there's a contradiction. And when I show you right now how the ulama have explained it, you will realize, oh, that was so obvious. Why didn't I think of that? But you can't think of that. <laughs> because they were able to think of that. They have the ilm of Quran, ilm of the entire sunnah. They have zok. Zok means they have acumen. They have a feel for this. So it's very simple, very simple. That mu'min who just has iman, praise Salah, Ramadan, etc. Right? And does neither what was in this hadith, jihad, nor has these things which is in, these other things that were in Surah Mu'minun, they can still get into Jannah, but maybe an entry level of Jannah. That mu'min who does jihad, can get jannatul for those even if they didn't do these things even if they didn't do these things that's what it means that mujahid who maybe didn't have the most khushu in their salah maybe before they went out in jihad they spent their life and love right doing halal but futile vain things and maybe they weren't able to do some of the other things also but because of their amal of jihad is so valuable to us they will be able to get jannatul for those and that person who doesn't have the amal of jihad, if they have these things, then they will get genital for those. So there means there are multiple ways to get genital for those. And that's the way the Salmas Kalatrushan operates. Whenever anything is mentioned in Quran and Hadith, you cannot come to a definitive ruling only on the basis of one ayah or one hadith. You have to look, for example, every ayah, every hadith that talks about for those, you will put that in front of you. And then you will get a holistic understanding of what genital for those is and the many and multiple ways that a person can get it. Alright? Okay. To clarify the issue, and it also showed you the necessity for scholarship in Islamic knowledge. Now, verses 12 onwards, Allah Subhanahu is going to 12 to 16, Allah Subhanahu is going to mention the stages of the creation of humanity. That indeed we have created humanity from an extract of the elements of earth. Okay, Sulala means an extract. Intin literally means wet or fertile earth. Wet, moist, moist soil and earth, right? When you find land that is extremely fertile and has a lot of nutrients in it, it is moist soil. So what does it mean an extract from, this is something we've mentioned to you many times, that man, humanity being created from earth, means humanity was created from the periodic table, the elements that are certain elements that are to be found and then were extracted in the earth. Here Allah SWT is talking about the way Allah Ta'ala first physically created the body of Sayyidina Adam Because the body of Sayyidina Adam was created up there. It wasn't created on earth. He had neither a father nor a mother, right? So how did Allah want to create that body? Because Sayyidina was a flesh and bones. So Allah SWT created that body of Sayyidina Adam by fashioning that physical body from the elements and extract of particular elements that are to be found on earth. 
and then we placed that it uh, placed that it placed it as a drop, right? And it's referring here to a drop means a drop of fluid means a drop of sperm. So the first is referring to human creation. Now it's referring to human procreation. From Sayyidina Adam onward, the essence of the physical creation of humanity now will proceed in fertilization by sperm. So the essence of the physical humanity was extract, extracted by Allah Ta'ala from moist earth, fashioned to Sayyidina Adam then from the sperm of Sayyidina Adam then does procreation continue right until the last human being, until the end of time. Okay, and where was that placed? This was placed in a secure repository, a safe lodging. Right? That refers to the womb of the woman. You can just think of it like implantation of the fertilized egg in the womb of a woman. Then we made that nutfa. What did we make it? Alakatan. We made it an alaka. Alaka means that we made that drop of fluid, yani sperm, into a cloth. alakata, and then we took that cloth, that alaka, and we made it into mulgatan, into a lump of flesh. Then then we took that lump of Allah Ta'ala's we, then we, yani Allah Subhanahu took that lump of flesh, idaman, and we made that flesh into bones. And then we wrapped around and clothed the bones with flesh and meat and sinew and tendon and tendons and cartilage, etc. And then Anshanahu Khalkan Akhara. And then what we did, we produced yet another type of creation. And that is referring to the infusing of the ruh into insan. And indeed, blessed is Allah subhanahu wa who is the best and most noble and the most virtuous of creators. Again, this is an ayah, right, that most famously Kenneth Moore, who is a professor at Northwestern University in America, in his textbook on human embryology, when he read this passage, he was stunned. And in fact, in the next edition of his textbook, he actually writes about Qur'an and these ayat of Qur'an. And how miraculously the Qur'an mentions the embryonic stages of human development in a way that it was absolutely impossible for any scientist alive, let alone a Nabiul Miyi, to have known this 1400 years ago. Right? Another fascinating thing about this is if you look in the Arabic language, there's a thumma and there's a fa. Thumma and fa birth, both refer to tertib. But thumma means that something comes after, A comes after B with some time in it. And fa means A comes after B relatively quickly. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also mentioned, <laughs> Alhamdulillah, has also given isharas to that here. So what is that? So first Allah ta'ala said that first we made insan min sulalatim min deen. So we made him from some extractive elements from what earth. And then there was some time that Sayyidina Adam lived like that, and quite some time passed before then, him and Ummul Insan, Ammahawaradana, procreated, right? So Thumma, and then you had the first, the stage two, which is Nutfatan, so there's seven stages, staying one with that stage two, Nutfatan, the drop of fluid and a drop of sperm. 
then thumma, then it takes some time after the initial fertilization of the egg for that fertilized egg to become a it takes some time for it to become the third thing, alaka, alright, which is a clot. Then fa then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala switches from stage three to stage four. It will not be a thumma, it will be a fa. Once it is once you go from just bare fertilized egg to fetus, right? Then the development takes place relatively stage after stage. There's not much gap between it. So going then from that alaka and that cloth to stage number four, mulga, that you can even call it a fetal lump. When you call it lump of flesh, it means a fetal lump of flesh. Then going from that to bones, again a fat. Then going from bones to laham, that all types of flesh, sinew, muscle, tindu, tendon, sinew, cartilage, being wrapped around the bones, that's also fat, that also experimentally. And then again, thumma for the last stage, whereas when Allah subhanahu wa infuses the ruh inside a person. Because that is a yet altogether different matter altogether. In an authentic hadith, Nabi Akrim Sassam, but it's a khabrawayat, the Prophet said that Allah ta'ala infuses the ruh into a person, into the fetus, after 120 days. Very briefly, one of the modern issues that comes up with this is abortion. Right? Now, there are two ways to look at abortion, two positions and two intentions. Right? Both things matter. There are two things that Islamic law is going to look at. What is the intention? And I'm going to, I'll just call it termination of the fetus. Let me use that term. What is the reason why that is being done? And the second is at what stage of development is that fetus? Alright? First intention, termination of fetus in order to save the mother's life. Now that determination cannot be made by a mufti. That determination will be made by a muttaki doctor. Cannot be made by any doctor. Cannot be made by a non-practicing Muslim doctor can only be made by a muttaki doctor, a doctor who realizes that termination of fetus could be tantamount to termination of human life, but still he says it is necessary to save the mother's life, then it is giant in Islam. That's one intention. Right? Second intention, and that can be done before 120 days or after 120 days. Second intention, let's say for example there's something called prenatal genetic screening. So they can test the child, whether the, the, not child, sorry, they can test the fetus, whether it has thalassemia, which is a particular type of illness, let's put it that way. And they can find that out before 120 days. Now question, can you terminate that fetus? Here the scholars are of divergent opinions. Even the orthodox scholars are of divergent opinions. It really depends on when do they view humanity as a start, at zero or at 120 days. Some scholars take the position that the per- that fetus only becomes human when the ruh is infused in at 120 days. Therefore, not for any reason whatsoever, but for a highly limited, very specific few reasons, they will allow termination of fetus before 120 days. One of that is prenatal genetic screening, right? And uh, even Mufti Taki Usmani gave a fatwa on this basis to some doctors in Ralpindi who were my students in Al Khan who shared that with me. Right? 
However, the other group of scholars say that no, that a human being, he is a human being in the very first step. Because Allah Ta'ala has mentioned all of these stages as stages of human development. And interestingly, scientifically, there's a genetic argument for that. Because before 120 days, the human DNA is formed. And according to science, for science, genetics is the supreme science now. So human DNA means that thing which is genetically uniquely human. So you could say this other position says that that thing, that substance, or that, however you want to call it, congealed fetal lump, that is distinctly genetically human, that is what, that is human then. It's not anything else, it's only human. Right? And so if you terminate that, you're terminating your human life, then you can get into all types of philosophically spiritual discussions that it is the will of Allah SWT to create human beings with various different disorders but then the other side will respond with all types of sociological, economic, psychological discussions that it can be very difficult on the parents even financially to afford the care for such a child then we even had I've had students in Al-Khan who at bioethics who worked with thalassemia children and they say to those children if you were to ask them they would say yes our quality of life is impaired but we're happy to be alive and we in certain yes have certain physical difficulties but we've had many emotional happinesses and we're so grateful that no one was around to advise our mom to terminate her pregnancy when we were in her womb right so there are many ways you could take it okay here this is a whole one hour lecture we give over there right I cannot do all of that for you here but this is this is an ayah that is one verse one verse of several verses and several ahadith that is part of this discussion I would just make it clear that abortion as a form of birth control that is not allowed in any way whatsoever by any scholar whatsoever not even those scholars who think humanity starts at 120 days they do not allow termination of fetus before 120 days as a method of contraception even they have a sensibility that, uh, that does not allow that Okay, so that is not allowed in any case whatsoever ثُمَّ إِنَّكُمْ بَعْدَ ذَلَكَ Okay, then Allah SWT says, yes. Okay, thereafter all of you are certainly going to die, لَمَيِّتُونَ Then after this stages of creation and then being born and then the rest of that is infancy and childhood and physical development outside of the womb. But after all, then each and every one you will definitely die. And then the next stage, ثُمَّ إِنَّكُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ تُبْأَثُونَ And then on the day of judgment, you will all be resurrected. Okay? All of that is quite self-explanatory. Verses number 17 to 20. Here the Nasbantal mentions that indeed we have created And indeed we have created seven paths or seven courseways, seven pathways above you. Here where Nasbantal said in verse 14 at the end, Asnukhalikin. So why is Khalikin being used in the plural? Doesn't mean Allah Ta'ala is saying there's capital Kha, her capital C creators. But he is the only master creator, but in a sense, we do create things, we manufacture things, we make things, right? So what else Allah Ta'ala is saying, and this could be an anticipating, right, the age of scientific discovery and invention. Because it really wouldn't have so much import at the time of Sahaba. This could be an anticipation that humanity will enter such an age where they themselves will outwardly, apparently, 
be discovering and inventing so many incredible things that they made them think that their inventive power and scientific inventive power makes them now mustaghni from Allah SWT that they're creators, they can create planes and space shuttles and etc etc Allah is saying no, there's a different type of creation and certainly no scientist has been able to create a human being without this process from scratch, from nothing right? Our deen says Allah SWT creates Sayyidina Islam from nothing even human cloning is creating something from something if they ever manage to do it. Allah Spalta's creation was creating Sayyidina Adam Islam out of nothing. There's no science lab that will ever be able to do that. Okay? Alright. Prayers are going back to the Sayyidina Spalta so we created these seven pathways. And we are never and we are never unaware of that creation. I Means it's not, point is that Allah Spalta is not an absent Lord. Which is what some of the theists, scientific theists in medieval times believed, right? The blind watchmaker that just created the universe and then that's it, Allah is unaware of what happens. No. This is an answer to that. Allah SWT is saying, no, we've created it and we are completely aware of each and everything, every atom in it, every juice in it for all of eternity. We have complete awareness of it. And then Allah SWT mentions, right? This is that verse that. I won't take his name, but that particular professor of science mocks this ayah of Qur'an al-Karim endlessly and tirelessly and really frustratingly. We say ad infinitum, ad nauseum. <laughs> Some of you may know what I'm talking about. And then Allah tells us, and we send down rain from the sky. Right? Literally, ma means water. We send down water from the sky. Bikadirin. And we send it down with a stipulated amount. We send it down with a particular amount. And then we store it and embed it in the ground. And then we can also and we are also capable of withdrawing it from the ground. Alright, what does this mean? So it means that Allah sent it down in quantities. means that uh, if it rained too much that would be a problem. If it was raining all the time, there'd be floods all the time. And if it didn't rain, there'd be droughts all the time, right? So yes, there will be an occasional flood and drought. But if you look at the race of humanity, the human race has been able to survive. Yes, there are incidents of flooding and drought. But if that affects 0.001% of the human race on earth at any time such an incident occurs, overall, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept everything in color. And the drought and the flood is part of the way Allah subhanahu wa tests. Embedding it into earth means Allah is referring to the phenomenon in which the water is absorbed by the earth and then used by the earth then to uh, produce vegetation, crops, grains, fruits, etc. etc. And then Allah says, yes, we would all be capable. And another way it's absorbed and placed in the earth is that there are natural dams, let alone earth, there are natural dams, ice caps, mountain caps, glaciers, different ways where Allah subhanahu wa has stored it on earth and Allah is capable of withdrawing it so Allah is capable of having those ice caps melted in the water to come out for those natural dams to rupture and burst for, one can even look now, Allah has rendered us capable of boring and digging and finding underground aquifers, right? and you know the scientific concept of these mass underground aquifers is basically what most people drink it's not rainwater it's all this water that Allah has put under the earth nobody had any concept of that scientifically but what did Allah SWT say clearly فَأَسْكَنَّهُ فِي الْأَرْضِ that we have embedded that water this is the 
I or Elatah is talking about these underground aquifers, right? So actually, you know, it really depends on the whole, the way a person looks. The same ayah, certain one, the one or two odd atheist scientist uses this to ceaselessly mock Islam, whereas I feel this ayah actually even is one of those ayah that can shows the scientific realities of Quran al-Karim. Fanshatna lakum bihi jannatim min nakhil, and so Allah is saying is, and from these, uh, from that water that is in the earth, or from that earth that is watered with the rain from the sky that we produce for you orchards of dates and uh, vineyards of grapes and all of these things and they have an abundance of fruit they yield you much fruit from which you also eat and we also created a certain type of tree and that is the olive tree that we had done yesterday in uh, Surah Nur as well and this shajara taqruju min turis sayna this has been extracted from the mount of tur or some of the people call it the mount sinai tambutu bidduhni and it is a tree means the fruit of that tree the olive but it produces oil and it also produces a some people translate it as gravy you can translate it as a dressing or as a lick, a dressing a condiment that people enjoy what does it mean? This is referring to the fact that people just eat olive oil with bread. That itself constitutes a meal amongst the Arabs and the Italians and other people in the world. Alright? Okay. So this is that same tree, olive, and you can see Ridal Spantel in many places of Quran. He's even sworn by this Buddin. Allah has taken a qasam by the olive tree. And there are many, many benefits in here. This Allah SWT talking about the manafiq or the benefits of olive tree right? this is the same mountain uh, with the story of Sayyidina Musa Islam, same mountain verses 21 now after 21-22 after Allah has mentioned the vegetable creation the plant kingdom Allah is going to now mention the animal kingdom and indeed there is a lesson and a sign for you a lesson to learn from in the creation Allah Ta'ala's creation of an'am and here it means the domesticated animals such as cattle etc that we use and from and Allah Ta'ala says and we give you to drink from their bellies we let you drink from what is in their innards means that we drink from the milk of these animals and and you have many, many benefits from them. And we've mentioned this before, transport, cargo, plowing, agriculture, etc. And you eat from them as well, you eat their meat. Okay. And on them you are you carry yourself on them, you yourself ride them, and you also ride ships that traverse the oceans and the sea. Okay? Alright, these are all things that we have covered before. 23 onward, Allah SWT is going to mention the story of Sayyidina Nuh which is something that we did in great detail in Surah Hud, Surah 11, verses 25 to 49 last year. So we'll mostly translate, we'll just mention one or two things uh, that are here. Verses 23 onward. So Allah says, وَلَكَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا نُوحًا إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ And indeed we sent Sayyidina Nuh to his people. 
فَقَالَ يَوْقَوْمِ اِبْدُ اللَّهِ And he said to his community that Oh my people worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala مَالَكُمْ مِنِ اللَّهِ غَيْرَهُ That you have no God except for him أَفَلَا تَتَّقُونَ And will you not then be aware and conscious and fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَقَالَ الْمَلَأُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ قَوْمِهِ And then those leaders and chieftains from his قوم who had disbelieved what did they say? So they started telling the rest of the people that look him, they say Nusam, Hada, this person, and he say Nusam, is only a human, is nothing but a human like your own selves. And what does he want? He wants to claim alaykum. He's claiming superiority over you. He wants to be viewed as better than you. He wants to gain and claim he views himself to be more superior to you. And they even refer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is amazing. And if Allah Ta'ala had wished, then Allah Ta'ala would have sent down angels. Ma and we have not heard any such thing from our forefathers. Then they said, "In in huwa illa rajulun bihi jinnah." That he is saying about Nuh to say Nuh he is just a person who is simply possessed or overtaken or afflicted by some type of insanity or other possessing. So watch him for a while, tarry with him for some time. So say the Nuh Islam them after the chieftains were saying things like this. So he called to Allah that oh my love help me send your nusrat to me based because first of all they are fabricating lies against me and taqdeeb also means that they have denied me right so Allah help me for they have falsified my mission and message and they have also denied me and declared me to be a liar and then Allah says that in response to this and revealed to him that he should build that ark under the oversight in the oversight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala oh, and what he should do in that ark according to Allah Ta'ala's oversight and suggestions then Allah Ta'ala says that when our decree comes to pass and that decree but the sign of that we did earlier this water is going to gush forth from the oven to say Nuhusam made an oven and when the water came forth from the oven then that was the sign for him what was the sign for him that the flood was about to come so now what should he do he should take a mated pair of every species onto the boat and take your family onto the boat. However, your family, illa, except that person, illa man samaka alayhi except those from your family about whom Allah Ta'ala has already issued a decree or pronouncement, means that they are not people of Iman. And then Allah Ta'ala said to Nuh alayhi and don't. Oh Nuh Islam, don't you ever, ever even think of speaking to me and pleading on the behalf on the behalf of those who have been wrongdoers and unjust. No, for indeed they are going to be drowned. And then when you and those who are with you have settled and boarded on the ship, then you should recite this dua. فَقُلْ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي That all praise lies to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that being who has granted us salvation, who has saved us from this oppressive and unjust and wrongdoing, a people that were unjust and wrong. وَقُلْ رَبِّ أَنزِلْنِي مُنزَلًا مُبَارَكًا وَأَنْتَ خَيْرُ الْمُنزِلِينَ And then say that, O oh my Rabb, deliver me to a shore, right? Deliver me to a shore and a settlement that is blessed. In the blessed landing, indeed, you are the best of Munzilin, difficult to translate in English, you are the best of landers. You are the best one to make us 
the best one to provide a harbor and a place for us to land and settle down. And indeed in that there are certainly signs in all of this, even if Allah Ta'ala says, and certainly we do impose trials and put people to test. Alright, so Sayyidina Nulay Islam, long story like we mentioned before, just one point we will highlight here, which was there, but I'll just highlight it, and that who are the people who disbelieved in him, right? Al-Mala'ul Ladina Kafar, the leaders and the elites. And so what happens here, this is a way of the leaders and elites, that not only do they refuse to believe, they don't allow others to do so. So they started going to the others and telling them that all the same things that the leaders of Quraysh, so one reason why this is being recited here again, is to give to Salih to Nabi Karim Sassam, that the same way the leaders of Makkah and Quraysh, the same type of things they're saying about you, the communities that previous prophets came to, their leaders who disbelieved said the same things about those prophets. But here it's also a sign that the elites, right, leaders and the elites, have historically been against the prophets and their followers. Those who don't have Iman, they were all, of course they're members of such leaders who take Iman, but those average person who doesn't accept Iman doesn't become an enemy to Iman, put it that way. But when a leader or an elite doesn't accept Iman, they become an enemy to Iman. And this is throughout human history right up till today. So of the disbelievers, which are those disbelievers who have enmity towards the Anbiya and their followers and Iman and Deen have been from the leaders and the elites. Right? Okay. And you would remember that this is not that, you know, Sayyidina Nuhullah Islam was given 950 years of life and he was doing da'wah on them for Allah knows best how many centuries. Then Al-Sfantal says verses 31 to 41, again things that we have covered last year in many surahs uh, in Surah Araf and other surahs about all these various Anbiya. And Allah says, and then we created a community in the after Sayyidina Nuh Islam, we produced another generation and community after them. And we said to the messenger who told them the same thing, Anibudullah, that you should worship Allah subhanahu wa and indeed, Malakum min ilahin ghayruhu, and you have no God except for Him. Will you not fear, not be aware of that one Allah subhanahu wa Same thing, Waqal malau min kaumihin ladina kafaru, makadabu, bilakail akhirati. So those disbelievers, the leaders and elites of, the, of that community who chose to disbelieve, they denied the meeting of the hereafter, specifically. So specifically they denied. They denied that they will meet Allah SWT in the hereafter. Right? And then they also then while even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah SWT says that we have given them affluence and good things in life. So this notion of affluence is what I was translating as elites. So what did they say? They said the same thing, Mahada Mithlukum, that this is not anyone other merely a human like your own selves. He eats what you eat, men who from it, and he drinks from the same thing you drink. If you obey what if you obey a human like yourselves, then you will surely be lost. Right? So this is also something that leaders will say that you shouldn't follow anyone, right? 
No, our deen ground teaches we follow Anbiya and we follow those who are following the teachings of the Anbiya. Our deen ground teaches that we follow Anbiya and we follow those who are teaching the teachings of the Anbiya. Right? That's that simple. And some people will say this, you know, but obviously we follow the Anbiya and we follow the followers of the Anbiya. We have to do that, otherwise if we don't do that, we will be lost. Then again they say, does he promise you that when you have died, you will be resurrected thereafter, even though you have already become dust and bones? So what did they say? They said, hey hata, hey hata, which means far-fetched, preposterous, ludicrous. Right? Is what you are being, Dima to Adun is what you are being promised. Again, mocking. The sarcasm, cynicism, mocking, antagonism, right? Of the elites and the affluent and the wealthy and the leaders who choose not to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then they say, in here, in here, illa hayatuna, hayatuna dunya, there's nothing other than this worldly life. There's nothing but our life in this world. This is the classic atheist line. There is nothing other than the life in this world. Namutu wa nahya. And we die and we live. Wa ma nahnu bimabuthin. And we will never be people who are resurrected. Right? So this is an old thing. This is nothing new. And then again, they say the same thing about that next prophet that he is just a man. And he invents lies against Allah subhanahu ta'ala. And we shall never ever believe him. Only, he's only a man slandering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't believe him. So that messenger called Rabbin Surni Bimakal Dabun. Same thing that same Dawan said in Rusamid, Oh my Rabb, assist me, for they have denied my message, my mission, my prophethood, and they have declared me to be a liar. Ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Amma Kalilil. That it's just a small matter of time. La Yusbihunna Nadimin. That these people literally mean La Yusbihunna. Soon they will wake up in the morning. In regret, in sorrow, means very soon they will regret the kufr that they have chosen to adopt. It. After a very short while, they will be regretful. فأخذ, and this terrible blast, terrible blast, shrieking blast, overtook them. Milhaki, absolutely justly. That was the punishment they deserved. And we reduced them to nothing. And may they be far removed, may this wrongdoing people, oppressive community be far removed. Both means far removed from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You will hear, hear see that although earlier Allah named the Prophet Sayyidina here the name is not mentioned. But in earlier surahs, because after Nulaysam we know that who came after him was Sayyidina Hud and the people of Ad. And then after that, Sayyidina Saleh and the people of Thamud. So either this verse, this passage is referring to either or both of them. And these are all things that we did earlier in Surah Alaf and Surah Hud, the stories of the people of Ad and Samud. Verses 42 onward. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, anshatna mim ba'dihim kurunan Then we made many, many numerous nations and generations to come after them. Right, we produce generation after generation it means after the people of Ad, people of the Mood, many. But what is the golden rule? Ma min ummatin ajalaha wa ma No community, no group of people, no civilization can uh, outstrip or no no people can proceed its term, nor can they delay it or put it off at all. 
means there's an appointed time when every civilization and culture will fall. That again thereafter we sent our messengers in succession, tatra, tatra, one after the other, one after the other. And whenever kullama, and whenever each and every one of those messengers, each time such a messenger came to a people, what did they do? Kaldabuhu, they called him a liar. It's been going on for generations, Allah Ta'ala saying, Sayyidina Rasulullah So don't feel bad that the kuffar or Qurayshya Khan. And if the Prophet is like, then we should feel the same way. Somebody thinks we're crazy, somebody thinks we're lying, somebody thinks we have our head up in the air. The atheists say that we lie, right? We shouldn't feel bad about that. It's been going on forever. These are, this atheist is that person who views, views the Prophet so some as a liar. So for them viewing you as deluded, they don't think Nabi Karim so was deluded in believing he was a Prophet. So you shouldn't feel bad <laughs> that they think you're deluded. Alright? فَأَتْبَعْنَا بَعْضُهُمْ بَعْضُهُمْ وَجَعَلْنَاهُمْ Okay. What does this mean? That we brought one nation after another, one after the other, one after the other, and then what happened? That we made stories of them. We made stories. It means nothing remained of them except stories and fables. They were basically all trace of them was wiped off. And again, Allah Taala says, and made the layyub minun uh, made those communities who disbelieved, may they be distanced, yani may they be distant from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, distant from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. we can translate this as, so away with the people who disbelieve, away with them, Allah Ta'ala says, I destroyed them one after another, their downfall came one after another. Thumma arsalna Musa, so again, apparently a lot of stuff has happened, and then now you move to these major three faiths, Sayyidina Musa, Islam, Sayyidina Islam, and Sayyidina Islam, Musa wa Ahu Haruna, then we sent Sayyidina Musa Islam, with our signs, with Ayatina, with Sultanul Mubin, and with the Ayatina, with our signs, and Sultanul Mubin, with the clear authority and clear proof. What is mentioned by signs, so in Surah Araf, we did this, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned Surah Araf, Surah 7, verse 130, that Allah ta'ala had sent signs on them, what was that? Akhadna Allah Fir'auna Bissinina. That for a number of years Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala afflicted the people of Fir'aun with years of famine and a deficiency in fruits. La'allahum yadhakkarun. So that perhaps they would remind and remember and worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that was the signs. And the Sultan of Mubin, most commentators say that refers to the Asa and the glowing of the hands with light. These two particular things, and we did that very recently. And we sent them, uh, Allah Ta'ala says, and we sent Musa Islam to who? To Ila Fir'auna wa Mala'ihi to Fir'aun and again his royal court, his ministers, the elites and the rulers. But fastakbaru, but they were insolent and arrogant. Waqanu kaman alin, as they were insolent and disobedient and then they became arrogant, haughty folk. Faqalu anu'minu li basharaini, so are we going to believe in two men like ourselves? And the community that these two men belong to are our slaves. Right? So they denied these two messengers and called the two of them liars and belittled and falsified the messages that they were brought. So thus then they become amongst those who are destroyed. And indeed we had given Sayyidina Musa the kitab, the scripture. So that they, now they means you know the Bani Israel. His, the community which did follow him, we gave Sayyidina Musa, we gave their Nabi a book so that they may be guided. 
And we made the son of Maryam and his mother an ayah and a sign. And we settled them on a place, uh, settled or sheltered them on a place called Rabba, which is a which was a high ground which was habitable, was secure and habitable, and also second, it had flowing springs, it had water. Alright. This should be clear, right, that Rabwa is a place in the Middle East, it is not a place uh, in India and Pakistan. Right? And this is because the Qadianis think that Rabwa is a place in this area. In fact, they think Sayyidina Islam is buried in Kashmir. Al-Aman Al-Hafiz. Now, it's such a preposterous thing to say, right? Where does Kashmir come into this whole history of the Abrahamic faiths that are all centered in the Middle East? Right? But this is what they claim. You know, what can you do? And then they were so bold as to call their headquarters, they wanted to name it Rabwa. Allah Ta'ala. Grant everyone hidayah and keep us on hidayah. Verses 51 onwards. Now, interestingly, Elspan addresses the message. This is a rare phrase. It comes in from this rare. Ya ayyuhal rusul. O you anbiya and mursaleen. O you prophets and messengers. Kulu minat tayyibat. That you should eat from the noble and lawful and pure things. Wa'amalu salihat. And you should do righteous and good acts. Inni bima ta'amaluna alim. Allah tells indeed I am aware of each and everything that you do. So what's going on here? The Anbiya and Mursaleen are being told to eat lawful things. Alright, to eat pure to eat pure things. To eat pure things. So in the Hadith Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu said it's been narrated by Huraira and transmitted in the Sahih of Muslim. That indeed in Allah Tayyiban, that indeed Allah Subhanahu is Tayyib is pure. لا يقبل إلا طيبة. And Allah does not accept anything unless it is pure. He does not accept anything other than that which is pure. بن الله أمر المؤمنين بما أمر به المرسلين. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has commanded the believers with the same thing He's commanded the messengers. And then Nabi Akram recited this ayah. What ayah that all the messengers you must eat from the tayyibat and you must do amal salih. So here Nabi Akram made it clear that when the messengers, all anbiya, are commanded to do something. All of humanity are just proxies behind those anbiya. Every human is nothing other than a follower of a Nabi. Remember that. Quranic concept of humanity is every human is nothing other than a follower of the Nabi that was sent to them. It's supposed to be a follower of the Nabi that was sent to them. Alright. Now, <clears throat> this command has three aspects. Number one, eat from tayyibat means that number one, you obviously stay away from haram. It's don't eat things that are ghayr tayyib. Right? And that could mean haram, makru, and mushtabih. To be tayyib, I mean, if you really had a feeling for the Arabic, tayyib means, you know, pure, pristine, wholesome. Right? So it means first aspect is don't eat from haram, makru, mushtabih. Whether you're in your own country, whether you're traveling in non-Muslim countries, this is the command Allah has given us. Right? And yes, if you have to be vegetarian for the duration of an airplane flight, it's not going to kill you. It's not going to kill you. Right? But again, saying deen is ease and Allah's made is koi ni Or me bismillah prakrakalunga. That's even more profane. That's, even, that's insulting. Right? Can you 
deliberately, knowingly break the command of Allah while taking His name. That's not wise, that's folly, that's hubris, that's arrogance, right? So that's the first aspect is we should stay away from what is ghayrat tayyib. Second is obviously that we should go for the tayyib. Tayyib here literally does mean what is not haram, makru, mustabih, which means it's 100% guaranteed to be halal. And has also been earned from income that is 100% halal. Some contemporary people like to think that tayyib means organic and whole grain. Maybe, maybe that would be atyab, that would be even more tayyib. But even if you eat non-organic, as long as it is halal, absolutely, you're good to go. Alright? And the third thing, however, is wa'amalu saliha, and you have to do good deeds. This ayah shows there's a rabt, very important rabt, between zahir and batin. Ramadan, don't eat from fajr to maghrib, will make you stronger to do good. From maghrib to fajr in Ramadan, and generally outside Ramadan, if you eat from tayyibat, you will be able to do amalu saliha. So sometimes if some of us have difficulty doing amal al-salih is because we're doing things. Our income is interest-based, our income is doubtful or from speculation, or we haven't paid our zakat fully, and therefore our income is polluted. Because when the zakat is not done, remember zakat means to purify. It's the method to purify the wealth. So when zakat isn't paid, the wealth is not purified. So then the food that is bought with the wealth that is not purified is not 100% pure, it's not tayyib. So one way if a person feels, oh, I want to do amal al-salih, but I find it difficult, I want, how can I boost my capacity and ability to do righteous acts and deeds? Look at your wealth, look at your earning, look at your income, look at your revenue, look at your zakat, look at what you're eating, look at that food. If you can fix all of that, you will be able to become stronger, spiritually stronger, to do amal al-salih. Right? Then, inni bima ta'maluna adim, and Allah says that, oh, look, I know each and every single thing that you do. Right? Another rut between this and Surah Sabah, Surah number 34, verse number 15. Allah sponsor says, Kulu min rizki rabbikum. Kulu min rizki rabbikum. That you should eat from the risk that your Rabb has given you. Washkuru lahu. And you should be grateful to Him. So that's another rut between eating and amal saleh is that the way to do sugar when you eat is to use the nutrition and nutrients and calories to do good deeds, to worship Allah Ta'ala, to remember Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, right? And so there's a rupt between our... So that means, this is what Adina is saying, that even the act of eating is not mundane. There's nothing that is mundane and nothing that even falls in the realm of secular. And our deen, every single thing should be related to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything is spiritual. Even eating itself, you should have this niyyah. If anybody wants to know what niyyah I should eat, I should eat with the niyyah of this ayah. And I'm eating so that the nutrients and calories and nutrition I get from this meal, I will use it in the worship and obedience and remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in the khidmat of his deen. That's why I want energy. That's why I eat. I don't eat because I'm hungry. I eat because of this reason. That's the niyat you should have. Right? Fair. These days you also be eating because you're hungry. Right? Verse 57. خَشْيَةِ رَبِّهِمْ مُشْفِقُونَ Now comes another. After all break, remember there can be some more signs of who the mu'minun are. So that's coming now. Verses 57 to 61 is yet some more additional signs of who the Mu'mineen are. So there are those who min khashya, 
due to their fear of their rub, what are that their mushfikun? They tread carefully. They are those who are tremble and they are in awe and in reverence due to their fear of their rub for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَذِنْهُمْ بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ يُؤْمِنُونَ So the second attribute here, if you want to continue this series, that would be seven, this would be eight. And there's those people who believe in the verses of revelation from their Rabb and also believe in the signs that are manifested from the Rabb. وَلَذِنَهُمْ بِرَبِّهِمْ لَا يُشْرِكُونَ And there are those who don't do any shirk, who don't any ascribe or attribute or associate partners to the Rabb. وَلَذِنَ يُؤْتُونَ مَا أَتَوْ And there are those who also spend and give from what they have been uh, granted. وَقُلُوبُهُمْ وَجِلَةٌ أَنَّهُمْ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ رَاجِعُونَ And their hearts tremble because then you can take this as a separate sign or together. Uh, you can take it either way. Because, and their hearts tremble with apprehensiveness because they know. What is it that they know? إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ رَاجِعُونَ They know that they are returning and will ultimately return to their Rabb. أُولَٰئِكَ يُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ and these are the people who hasten to form, uh, hasten to do good deeds. وَهُمْ لَهَا سَابِقُونَ And they will, be the, they will take a lead in that. They will be the foremost and leaders in that khair. Right? So now, a few comments on this. Number one, due to their fear of Allah, they become humbled. So this is the first quality of them. Right? It means the fear of Allah is a feeling that we have in our heart that is supposed to manifest itself in our action and behavior. Supposed to change the way we act and behave. It's supposed to soften us. Soften us. Right? Second, they believe in the ayat of the rub, that's pretty self-explanatory. They don't do shirk, that's explanatory. Spend what they've been granted. Now this could be zakah, but the part on zakat was already mentioned earlier. So other mufasrun feel that no, it means that they also give in sadaqah. So this is now going a next level. Some have felt that these next signs are going at a next level. Some have said it's going from mu'mineen to muttaki. Right? And so they spend even more than zakah, they spend in sadaqah, right, of what they have been granted. And their hearts tremble. So I was saying there are two ways. One is to translate it like this. They spend from extra wealth because their hearts are trembling, because they know they're going to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or a separate sign, sign number one, they spend of their well, an extra nafil sadaqah from what Allah has granted them. And next sign of them is that their hearts tremble because they have to return to their rub, right? But this is a very important sign either way, right? For us to know that we are going back to Allah subhanahu wa that we tremble about that. And about this, exactly about this ayah, again, Surah Mu'minun, Surah 23, verse 60, Ummul Aisha Aishir, she asked Nabiya Kareem Sassam a question. And he answered, that's in the Sahih and the Sunan of Tirmidhi. So when he was narrating this, so she asked him, that, who are those people? And she thought, that are these the people who, uh, what did she say? Kala Aisha Radhan, she said, Are these the people who are the ones who are scared that they're going to meet Allah? It must be the people who drink and steal. They must be the ones who are scared that they're going to meet Allah. So Sayyidina Sallallahu said, La ya binta Siddiq. No, O daughter of Bakr, no, as an N-O, no, it's not going to be them. وَلَكِنَّهُمَ الَّذِينَ يُسُومُونَ It's going to be those who fast. الَّذِينَ يُسُومُونَ Those who fast. وَيُسَلُّونَ And those who pray. وَيَتَسَدَّكُونَ And those who give sadaqah. 
وَهُمْ يَخَافُونَ أَنْ لَا يُقْبَلُ مِنْهُمْ أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ يُسَارِعُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ They will be the ones who fast, the ones who pray, that give zakat and sadaqah. They're, so they're not the sinners fearing, this is a different type of fear, this is the fear of mu'mineen. Now mu'mineen become muttaqeen, they're afraid that what if Allah Ta'ala doesn't accept this from me? What if they don't get qubuliyyah? What if I show up on the day of judgment and it wasn't accepted? That your prayers were not accepted because you weren't concentrating in them. That your fast weren't accepted because you fasted from food and drink, but you didn't fast from sin and backbiting. That your charity wasn't accepted because you didn't do it for Allah Ta'ala's sake, you did it for your own sake, your own name, your own fame. So they're scared. That yeah, I do these things, but what if Allah Ta'ala doesn't accept it from me? So this way Sayyidina Rasulullah explained this. So this is a sign, another sign of muttaqeen, mu'mineen, that they're word for the kubuliyya. And these are the people who will then hasten to do good deeds, uh, they will be the first and foremost to do good deeds. Right? And one example for something, because all of us know this, or most of us would know this in Sahih Bukhari, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, it's a hadith Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, asked the Prophet to teach him, teach me a dua in which I may call upon Allah Subhanahu in my salah. And this is the dua that most people use, but it's not, you're not required to only use this. So Nabi Yaqisim taught the Sayyidina Abu Bakr Sikran to make which though Allahumma inni zalamtu nafsi zalman kathiram wala yagfiru dhunuba illa anta fulfirli maghfiratam min indaka walhamni innaka anta al-ghafoorun raheem Now why is it being mentioned here? This is the notion, this is the fear of Qubuliyya that Nabi Yaqisim is telling Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq that after you pray Salah this is the dua you should make at the end before you say Salam Right? Another, we just prayed Salah inni zalamtu nafsi zulman kathira. Love Akbar that I've indeed wronged and done injustice to myself, a gross, tremendous injustice. So this is, this is how the muttaqi person feels even after they do ibadah. They don't feel that they're worthy of doing ibadah. They don't feel their ibadah is worthy of being accepted by Allah SWT. And those are the people who are being mentioned in Quran as mu'minu. Right now, verses 63 onward. This is now in contrast to that group. Now, in 60. Oh, hold on, I missed one. Yes, verse 62. Allah Ta'ala says, and we do not task a soul, burden a soul more than it can bear, more than its capacity. And we have a book. Allah Ta'ala says, we have a book and a record. Yantiku bil and that book speaks with the truth, and they will never be oppressed. There will never be no wrongdoing will be done unto them. Okay, what does this mean? This ayah actually the way you should maybe the way we should focus on the meaning of this ayah is that Allah subhanahu has put an incredible potential inside of us. Fact, Allah Ta'ala has made us mukallaf of Mukallaf means responsible for Quran. Fact, Allah Ta'ala has made us mukallaf responsible for every single thing in the Sunnah. Fact, la nukallafu nafsan illa wasaha. Allah Ta'ala says we do not burden anyone more than they can bear. We have not made responsible anyone beyond their capacity. So final, that means fact, me and you, every single insan even, 
has the potential to take Imam to do Amal on the entire Quran and Sunnah. It is within our reach. It is within our ability. It is within our capacity. But what we have is we have an untapped potential, an unrealized potential. So all we have to do is realize that potential in us and doing Amal on it will be easy. So why is this mentioned at the end? One possible reason is all of these alamat or ayat of Mu'minun that Allah mentioned that if we do all of these things right, that were mentioned we're humble in Salah, we stay away from love all of those six things these four or five extra things if we do all of that these things will untap our potential unleash our potential to do amal on the entire thing and if we feel that no, I don't know, I can't do it I don't think I'm able to do it it's because we're weak in some of these things so then, that first part was six steps to genital for those, and you add a few more steps, and then you're getting every single potential that Allah Subhanahu wa has given us in terms of our deen. Verses 63 onwards. Now, in contrast, Allah is going to talk about the kufar. In contrast to the believers, who are the balkulubuhum fi ghamratim min hada. Now, however, on the other hand, you have the disbelievers. The disbelievers, their hearts are oblivious and complete ignorance, oblivious to all of this. And on top of that, they have, and apart from that, they have other activities and deeds that they're doing. What does it mean that there are other sins? Okay, well, other than their act of kufr, they, apart from that, there are many other deeds and sins that amilun that they persist in doing, that they carry on doing. So they have a lot of problems, a lot of problems. Hatta ida akhadna. Until that time comes, Allah says that we will grab them and seize them. And when we seize them, we will impose the penalty and punishment upon them. And then what will happen, then you will see, behold, how fervently they will pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright? And here again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that these are those who are affluent. We will seize the affluent ones amongst them. Right? Because the notion is again that they use their wealth and affluence and influence in society to spread disbelief and to prevent people who wanted to believe in Allah subhanahu in believing in Him. So how will they plead? Uh, they will plead to what Allah will tell them. La That don't you plead and entreat us on this day. Don't beg us today. It means don't if you want to translate it in a very tight way, don't bark out your prayers to us today. That's Allah Ta'ala's a very strong zajr, a very strong statement Allah Ta'ala will say to them. Right? Innakum minna la You will receive no help, for you will not be helped by us. ayati tutla alaykum. But indeed, in that world, our ayat verses of revelation were recited to you. فَكُنْتُمْ عَلَىٰ أَعْقَابِكُمْ تَنْكِسُونَ But instead you would recoil and turn on your heels away from it. مُسْتَقْبِرِينَ <coughs> And you were arrogant in doing so. Right? بِهِ سَامِدًا تَحْجُرُونَ And you would mock and babble about it as if you were just raving entertainers. أَفَلَمْ يَدَمْبَرُوا الْقَوْلَ أَمْ جَاءَهُمْ مَا لَمْ يَعْتِ آبَاءَهُمُ الْأَوَّلِينَ And then have they not pondered and considered this قَوْلَ means the word, the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the word of God. Or has there come to them that which did not come, that never came before to their forefathers? 
Or is it that they have not recognized their Nabi Akrim and thus therefore therefore they reject and deny and disavow? Or do they say that Nabi Akrim about the Muslim that he is insane, he is possessed? No. Bal Ja'ahum Bil Haqqi. No, but rather he has brought to them the truth. But the vast majority of them have a distaste and dislike and they hate the truth. So here now Allah SWT has mentioned the alamat. There were earlier the alamat of the mu'minun and Surah Mu'minun. Now here are some attributes of the unbelievers. So again we don't want any of these attributes to come in us. Not saying that we're going to put fatwa on kufr, somebody who has the attribute, but we don't want anything, any way that Allah Ta'ala describes them, we don't want to have that in us, right? So number one, ignorance about deen. That's the first sign. Allahu Akbar. Ignorance about deen. In Quran mentioned as a sign of the unbelievers, has now become increasingly an attribute of the believers. Their hearts are oblivious, unfeeling. And if we are like that in our own salah, in our own sadda, we are unfeeling. Or we are oblivious or unfeeling or ignorant about teachings of deen or feelings of deen. Then we are in danger of having the same attribute that they have. And then again the affluent and elites, those who are non-practicing, they are believers. But they don't practice. They stop people from practice. Just like the non-believe, the affluent non-believers used to stop people from belief. Now you have the affluent and wealthy non-practicing believers stopping people from practice. Right? Same pattern. You found the same pattern. And then here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very strongly, I mean, it's a, it's a manifestation of Allah Ta'ala's wrath on them. That He tells them when they will start suddenly begging and pleading to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that day, Allah Akbar, He tells them, don't, don't bark out your prayers to me. Allah Akbar. Right? It's such a tragic state to show up on the day of judgment having disbelieved in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? I, ayat were recited to you but you turned and you spurned them what if that becomes true of us that we learned Quran or Kareem but then we didn't do Amal on it right for them they heard Quran they didn't have Iman on it our version would be we heard Quran but we didn't do Amal on it alright then this is about this issue about forefathers this is actually, what does this mean? That they're saying that they reject the Qur'an. Now here, this is, I forgot how you say this exactly in English, the verse 68. This is a rhetorical question, right? That has such a thing come to them that never came to their forefathers. Well, Allah means says, no. Anbiya and books have come to your forefathers. So here, Atiyah is talking about pious forefathers. They should have followed their forefathers. Because their pious forefathers had anbiya and books that they followed and they now departed from the way. So it's not something new, right? It's not something new. This can also be specifically understood by some commentators to refer to the kuffar from the Ahli Kitab. That their forefathers had received scriptures and prophets. So they know what happens when the scripture and prophet come here. supposed to believe and follow it. Then the next thing is that do they not recognize Nabi Akrim Sassam? Now this is for the Mushrikeen of Makkah Mukarama, right? That don't they recognize Nabi Akrim? Of course they did. They used to say he was a sadiqul. I mean again this is a hypothetical question. Of course they did recognize him. So that cannot also be a reason for their disbelief. They didn't realize he was a Nabi. They didn't recognize him to be a loving. Or do they think he's insane, right? So all of these are excuses for following the deen for not following deen for their kufr so the end of it is Allah Ta'ala is simply saying that all of these are excuses that have no merit 
and Nabi Yaktim has brought truth and even if the majority dislike the truth right and this is something that again people are guilty of they know it to be true but they dislike it they know it to be true but they dislike the truth 71 that if the truth was to conform to their whims and fancies if the world was to be in the way they say it should be then what happened? The entire heavens and earth would become corrupted and collapse if the world were to be the way they want the world to be. Right? No, Allah says, <coughs> but instead, no indeed, what did we do? But instead we have given them. We have brought this dhikr, this reminder and advice to them. But what do they do? For whom resume, but they're turning away from the reminder. They're turning away from the reminder that's sent to them. And okay, this is also a hypothetical question. Do you ask them for payment? In other words, are they not believing in you, Prophet because you are telling them they have to pay that, that, that you're gonna take their money? So obviously the answer is no. The Bhikkhum was not asking for payment, it's a mock question, right? So no. They never do. And in any case, Nabi Yaqsim is getting his payment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the payment from your Rabb is better. He is the best of providers. And then Nabi Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reassures the Prophet And indeed you Nabi Yaqsim You are calling them and inviting them to the right path and to that which is best for them. Right? And those who don't believe in the Akhirah, those who don't believe in the Akhirah, they will be deviated from that straight path. Alright. If we were to have mercy on them, that if we were to remove their hardships that they are suffering from, would that work on them? No. Would that work on them? No. They would still persist. They would plunge back and persist in their fitulyanihim. In their tulyan means in their rebellion. Ya'mahoon. Drowning and wavering and wandering astray. So what does it mean? I'll tell saying the mercy. If I was to have mercy on them, that wouldn't help them. Second. Okay, what if I was to be stern with them? And we have surely already punished them. But But they did not submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to turn to Him and beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala nor have they humbled themselves. So neither mercy on them has been able to change them nor afflicting them with punishment has been able to change them. So when is it going to be resolved? Until that time, we open to them a door, in the end of the day of judgment, what, what would be that door? The azab in shadeed, of tremendous punishment. And then they will despair in their, in the intense agony, they will be bewildered and despairing in that punishment. Alright. So, first thing Allah subhanahu wa said was that the whole world will be corrupted. What this means is that the man-made system, if it, 
there's an Allah-made system in the universe, right? And the fact that there's one nazam means there's one ilah. If they wanted things to be their way, if they wanted to invent a science other than the science that Allah Ta'ala created, if they tried to invent a Big Bang other than the one that Allah Ta'ala made happen, and they're just discovering, researching it, they're not inventing it, if they designed their own system from scratch, the whole world would be chaos. There would be chaos as opposed to order. Order exists only because there is one Allah who made that order. Right? And uh, their wish will not be obtained. It's also mocking. Their wish won't be obtained. Right? Until what is at the very end of time in those many ahadith that talk about alamat al qiyamah it is that in the akhir zaman at the end of time there will only be disbelievers on earth. So what did Sayyidina Rasulullah say about this hadith in Sahih Muslim? La tukumusa'a That the hour will not come It means the end of time will not come Ala ahadin It will not come On any one person Any person who Yaqulu Allah Allah Who says Allah Allah As long as a person is a mu'min As long as there are mu'mineen left on earth The end of time will come so other hadith, I'll just explain to you the story from the rest of the hadith, is that gradually the mu'minin will die out. Once all the mu'minin die out, then there will be a period of time where there will be complete chaos and evil on earth. And then the trumpet will be blown and the sa'a, the hour will come. And this hadith in Sahih Muslim is also used as the proof of taking the zikr of Allah Ta'ala's name repetitively, Allah Allah. Whether one says it Whether a person says it with their tongue Or with their heart Then when Allah Ta'ala was saying that You know we have mercy on them It wouldn't help them If we send our punishment It wouldn't change them in any way So similar passage Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala mentioned It's coming later Surah Zumar Surah 39 verse 8 Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala That when any adversity Afflicts human beings and they make dua to their Rabb Muniban turning penitently, sincerely to him. And then if Allah Subhanahu bestows a ni'mah, his favor on them, minhu from him, means removes their difficulty. Then that saying whom we will forget who he was calling before, and he will forget his Rabb that he had just called upon. So this is human nature. Right, that they won't really believe their matlabi uh, people. So again, as a mu'min, we don't want to have that attribute that we only turn to Allah Subhanahu in times of need and we forget Him. We don't want to have the attribute that when Allah's mercy comes on us and He gives us fuzzle and karam and risk, we don't have shukr for Him. That doesn't shake us. We don't want to have that attribute that when Allah Ta'ala tests us with punishment, we don't use that time of test to do sabr and to come closer to Him. We don't want to follow any of the patterns mentioned here. Verse 7 8 onwards. Allah spawned us that being who has made for you your ears, meaning your hearing, and your eyes, meaning your vision, and your afida, your hearts, meaning your feeling. But rare it is, seldom it is, that you show shukr. And this is generally, this is not being addressed specifically to Kufar, this is being addressed to us also. It's all of insan. And what does it mean? Well, one way it means that, look, Allah Ta'ala has given you these, let's say for mu'mini, right, these ears and eyes and hearts through which you hear wondrous things, you see wondrous things, you feel wonderful emotions, 
But even then you're not grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He gave you such incredible faculties. And if it's addressed to unbelievers, you can take it this way. And especially the kuffar of Makkah Makarma, that you were given ears with which you heard Quran being recited by Sayyidina Rasulullah. You were given eyes through which you gazed on the beauty of Sayyidina Rasulullah. You were given hearts that deep in your heart you recognize the Nur al and still you're not grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you adopt Iman, that you're grateful that Allah ta'ala put you in that, gave birth to you in Makkah Makarma, and you got to see the Prophet. Right? And similarly, in the sense, it could be for us, right? That we have ears to which we hear Qur'an, and eyes to which we recite Qur'an, and hearts which are moved by Qur'an during that act of Qur'an recitation, but then afterwards, there seldom is it that we offer shukr. Shukr means that we are grateful through obedience and worship and compliance with what Allah Ta'ala has enabled us to hear or recite or feel in our heart. And Allah SWT is that being who has dispersed you means many generations and generations upon generations dispersed and scattered you over the earth. But at the end, but then you will all be gathered, regathered back to Him on the Day of Judgment. Allah SWT is that being who gives life and death means it's showing Allah's power as the Creator, Resurrector, giving life, giving death. And it's only because of Him. Yeah, but later when the heart is because of Allah because of Allah Ta'ala alone, to Allah Ta'ala alone belongs the decree of alternating the night and the day of Allah Ta'ala. Do they not reflect upon this? Do they not ponder upon this? Means can they not reach Iman even just on this basis? But but instead they say like the ancients said, what is that? They say that when we die, we will be resurrected. After we die, we become dust and bones. We have already been promised this before. لَقَدْ وَإِنَّا نَحْنُوا وَأَبَاؤُنَا هَذَا مِنْ قَبْلُ إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا أَسَاطِيرُ الْأَوْلِينَ So now this is again an ayah which is talking about pious forefathers. They're saying, oh our forefathers were already told this whole thing that we're going to die and be resurrected. But yeah, but you're supposed to believe that. <laughs> So actually in Qur'an, sometimes it says that it's wrong to follow forefathers, the ones who were misguided. Here the Qur'an says, what's wrong with you that you're not following the forefathers, the ones who were guided. And now you're mocking it, yet these are myths and fables of old men and ancients and of our forefathers. Kul liman al-ard, that say to them, Nabiya, to whom belongs the earth, wa man fiha, and whomsoever is on that earth, in kuntum the moon, if indeed it is that you know. Say who it is who has the dominion other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you claim any such one. So they will be forced to say Sayyakuluna Lillah. They will say no to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. means that very shortly, you remember the sa scene, very shortly, Mustaqbil Kari, very soon, shortly they are going to say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Means they will realize it. They won't profess it verbally, but they will have to testify to that reality. So then why don't you remember and take Nasiha and take heed now? Who is the Rabb of the seven Samawat, the seven heavens and the Lord of the tremendous throne? So Sayyikuluna, they will say, Lillah. They will say that it all belongs to Allah Subhanahu So then say, So why don't you have taqwa then? If you're saying that you know that Allah Ta'ala is the Rabb of the Samawat and the Arshul Adim. Kul man biyadihi malakut. 
to ask them in whose hand and in whose grasp is the power to rule the power and control over all things and Allah spawns us that being who protects and can give refuge and he does not need any protection and none can provide refuge against him in kuntum ta'lamun if indeed you know Again, they will say it's all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then why is it? Why is it that you are being deluded and bewitched by this world and not obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? But no indeed we have brought them with the haq. And indeed they are certainly liars. So all of this passage uh, is Allah ta'ala manifesting His creation to any and all type of rejectors. Whether it is people who outright reject His existence atheist, unbeliever, or those people who at their heart of heart acknowledges سَيُكُولُونَ لِلَّهِ means they have iman but it's not changing them they know Allah Ta'ala is the master they know He is the creator they know He is Malik, He is Khalak, He is Allah they know all of that they know all of these things He is Rabb of the Samarat Arsh but it doesn't change them they're bewitched and entranced and deluded in this world so again we don't want to become like that that we know Allah is Allah but we don't become Banda. Yes, that's what it's saying. So we don't want to become like that. And anybody who knows Allah is Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, should automatically become banda, yani ab, automatically become Allah Ta'ala's servant and slave. Right? Verse 91 onward, Allah Ta'ala is then again uh, refuting this mistaken belief of Ahnu Kitab, Matakhadallahu min walad. And Allah Subhanahu has never ever taken a son. Allah Ta'ala has never taken a son, can never beget a son. Nor and there is no other God around except for Allah Subhanahu wa There are no coexistent gods. And if there had been, hypothetically, every God would have taken away what they created. What it means is that every God would have created something. They would each take their own creation and go away and make their own party, their own camp, their own area. And then what would happen? There would be contest and warring. And then what would happen? And some would have triumphed over others, some would have overpowered others, gained ascendancy over us. Like we told you about Greek mythology and Hindu mythology and Roman mythology, they're always thinking about their gods fighting one another. Father? And Suleiman. <laughs> so they're all thinking. You have multiplicity, you have discord, you have separation, hmm? you disrupt the attention. That's how the world would be if there were multiple gods. That's what Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is saying. Some of them would surely gain ascendancy over others. But no, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is pure and exalted beyond any of these fake and false attributes they would ascribe to Him. Allah Subhanahu is the knower and knowing each and everything that is hidden and unseen but shahada and everything that is known and manifest and Allah Subhanahu is far exalted, far transcendent from all of these partners they ascribe whether they ascribe other gods and idols as partners to him whether they ascribe a son and ascribe divinity to Sayyidina Isla as a partner to him Allah Subhanahu is above and beyond any such thing like that. 
The Kuffar used to say to the Prophet that when will this punishment happen? Right? When is it going to happen? And the Prophet kept saying that they will be punished in the afterlife, right? Then they would taunt and say, well, when will that sa'a come? When will that hour come? Let that hour come, right? And we've discussed this before. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching Sayyidina Rasulullah This is also one of those intense ayat in Quran to make dua. What is that to Rabbi Imma Turiyanni Ma Yu'adun? That oh my Rab, Allah Ta'ala in Quran is telling Nabi Kareem Sallallahu to make this dua. That oh my Rab, if you happen to show me the punishment that they are threatened with, the unbelievers are threatened with, you know, if that happens to come when I'm alive, then Rabbi Falataj Alni Fil Qomil Zalameen. And Allah Ta'ala saying in the Bible, you should make dua. That, oh my Rabb, don't make me from that qawm al-zalameen. Don't make me from those zalameen against whom you. So even Allah SWT is saying that to Sayyidina Rasulullah is Not that there's any remote possibility like that. But when the punishment of Allah SWT comes on a community, then everybody should want to make dua. Even Rasulullah should want to make dua. Don't make me of that unjust wrongdoing community that you send your punishment upon. So, inna ala anuriyaka ma naiduhum lakadiru. And Allah says, don't think this is hypothetical. Allah Ta'ala says, and we are certainly capable of showing you what it is that we threaten them with. Allah Ahsan. And then repel evil by means of that which is better than it. Repel evil by means of that which is better than an evil. And we know each, we know, we, we are the best knowers of that which they are ascribing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? What? And also, Kurrabbi a'udhu bika min hamazat. Oh, and say, Oh my Rabb, I seek refuge in you, min hamazat shayateen, from the evil urgings and promptings and insightful whisperings of all of the devils. And I seek refuge in you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that lest those shayateen approach me, they get to me, they're able to affect me. Right? So, what does this mean? So, one thing, Sayyidina. It comes in Hadith al-Bukhari, Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar radhiallahu narrates that Sayyidina Rasulullah said that if Allah Ta'ala sends a punishment upon a nation, إِذَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ مِقَوْمٍ أَذَابًا If and when Allah Ta'ala sends a punishment on a community, أَصَابَ الْأَذَابُ مَنْ كَانَ فِيهِمْ That punishment will reach and affect everyone, everyone. But then they will be resurrected according to their deeds. Means when Allah Ta'ala punished the previous communities, when He wiped out all of Ad, even if there were a few believers in Sayyidina Hud, they were also wiped out. But then on the Day of Judgment, they will be resurrected according to their deeds, who was the unbeliever and who was the believer. But the punishment falls them also. So this hadith is what explains this, that Nabi, and some commentators have written, but I didn't, 
Okay, I will just share it with you. Some commentaries have written that at one point Sayyidina Rasulullah like many previous Anbiya before him also made dua to Allah SWT but not for the punishment of death but a punishment of uh, famine or drought uh, onto the unbelievers of Makkah Makarma when they were really uh, really persecuting. And again this wasn't done out of retribution or vengeance it was done in the hope that, okay, this was tried. This was a sign that Allah SWT gave Sayyidina Musa salam by punishing the Qawm of Fir'aun. The hope that Fir'aun realized he didn't, but Sayyidina Muhammad thought, okay, maybe it will work for my community. And then the Kuffar of Quraysh went, and it happened, and the Kuffar came to the Prophet and told them, and they actually told them, you are rahmatullah So you make dua that Allah Ta'ala end this test on us. And the Bikram then made dua to Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala ended the drought and famine. Right? But then Allah SWT then revealed this, that okay, but be careful, in a sense, be careful what you pray for. Although elsewhere you would remember that we showed you that verse in Qur'an, I can't remember right now, I think we did it this year even, Allah said that we will not punish them when you are amongst them. We will not send a punishment on them when you, Nabi Yudhism, are from amongst them. So all of this is tied up that it's not going to happen, but it's a feeling. That Allah Ta'ala says the fear of Allah's sponsor should be such that Allah Ta'ala could, is capable of making it happen. Even though Allah Ta'ala won't make it happen, but Allah Ta'ala is capable of making it happen, we should fear even what Allah Ta'ala is capable of doing. Even if we know He's not going to do it, because just because He's capable of doing it. This is the training being given, right, in Quran. Imagine how much fear the Anbiya had for Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, because they best knew what Allah Ta'ala was capable of. They knew best what Allah Ta'ala was capable of. Right? And so these du'as also are du'as that we should learn and use and these are very beneficial du'as. Again, so this is Surah Mu'minun, Surah 23, verses number 97 and 98. Two du'as in which a person can read and recite in order to seek refuge from the whisperings of the shayateen. Okay, verse 99 onwards, Hatta okay, until that time arrives, when death finally comes to one of them, then what will they say? Call, they will say, Rabbirjirun, that oh my Rabb, send me back. Send me back means to this world. Why? So that I will do good deeds in that world that I have left behind. Or you can say that I may do good deeds that I left behind that I neglected and failed to do good deeds therein innaha kalimatun huwa qailuha that indeed this is just uh, this is just talk this is just merely talk that they say and it's never going to happen why but behind them is barzakh I mean they've already crossed barzakh barzakh in Arabic means a separator a barrier that once you cross it there is no return it's a barrier between two places. Sometimes it's also used for between two conditions or two kefiyat. But Barzakh here is referring to a barrier between two places, which place the dunya and the next this life and the next life. So they can never come back in. Ilayomi yub athun, and they uh, and it, the Barzakh will be behind them until the day they're rejected. And what is that day? Fa'ida nufis of suri. And this is that day when the trumpet is sounded 
then what will happen? Fala ansaba bainahum yom idhim wala yitasa'udun. There will be no relations, family, or otherwise between them on that day, and they will not even be able to ask one another. Literally, it means they cannot make su'al of one another. It doesn't mean, but here su'al means that they will not be able to ask help from one another. Because you saw earlier a few days ago that they were asking one another how long we'll be there, remember? One of them said a few days, one remember, right? They, so they can't ask questions of one another in their, in the tumultuous chaos that they will feel on that day, but they can't ask help from one another. So again, no contradiction of Quran, there they were asking questions of one another. Here, they cannot ask one another, means they cannot ask one another for help. Right? And those people whose scales will be weighty, then they will be from amongst the successful ones. Right? They will be the happy ones. Whereas, And those people whose scales on the mizan are light, They will be the losers. They will be the ones who are at a loss. Their own selves are at a loss. And they will be what and they will enter into Jahannam to dwell and abide therein forever. And Allah Ta'ala mentions the punishment of that fire. That the fire will scorch and burn their faces, and they will be grimace and be disfigured thereby. And then a call will be made to them. Alam takun ayati tutla alaykum. And were not my ayat, my verses of revelation recited to you and my signs manifested to you, but you ever and always used to disbelieve and falsify them. They will say, the people in Jahannam, Rabbana, they will call Allah Ta'ala our Rabb, Rabbana, Ghalbat Alayna Shikwatuna, Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, our wretchedness overcame us. And indeed we were a people in error, in deviance. Then again they will say, minha, That, O oh, our Rabb, take us out from this. And remove us from this fire of Jahannam. Udna, and if we were able to return, right, if we return, And if we ever return, repeat these sins, we'll never do it again. Put it that way. And if we ever do do it again, then, then we will truly be wrongdoers. Call. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to them, Allahu Akbar, that you stay in it and don't you utter one word to me. This is a manifestation again of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's anger. That you remain in it and don't, don't even speak, don't utter a word again. And then Allah Ta'ala says that there was, now shifting gears, that there was a group of my ibad, and what did they do? Yakuluna, they used to say this dua, so it's another dua we should remember. Rabbana amanna fulfillana warhamna wa anta khairullahimeen. That all Rabb, we have iman, so therefore forgive us and send your mercy upon us. Indeed, you are the best of those who show mercy. But, and Allah was addressing the people and them that they used to make dua like that. And you, you used to make fun of them, ridicule them to such a point, that you used to ridicule them so much 
that your ridiculing made you forget my dhikr, made you forget my remembrance, my admonition, my counsel, my Quran. And all the time you were ever laughing at them. And today I have rewarded them, those believers, for the fact that they had sabr, they endured your ridiculing and mocking and persecution and oppression. And indeed they, they are triumphant and victorious today. Right? So this is the dialogue that will take place between the people of Jahannam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Day of Judgment. Alright? And this day where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that they will flee from their... their uh, that there will be no family ties between them. This is a theme that comes up many places in Surah Abbas, in Surah Abbas wa Ta'ala, Surah 80, Verse 37, the same This will be the day that a person will flee from their brother, from their mother, from their father, from their spouse, from their son, their children. Every one of them, each one of them will be too engaged in their own affairs to care for anyone else. So that will be the nature of the day of judgment. Verses 112 to 118, end of Surah Mu'minun, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked them, قَالَ كَمْ لَبِثْتُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ أَدَدَ السِّنِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked, how many years did you stay on earth? They will say that we stayed only for a day, or for but a part of the day, but we don't even know, ask those who could keep count, who can even have a reckoning of that, right? Then again Allah subhanahu wa will say to them in illa qalila, That no you stayed for only but a little while Lo annakum kuntum ta'lamun If only you had known that But it's that says that the life of earth was just a small period of time In other words that you were required to obey for just a small period of time If only you had known that this small period of worship and obedience would have led to an eternity of pleasure and if only you had realized that your disobedience will be punished, if only you had listened to the warnings that were given to you, that you should disobey and disbelieve, now you will be punished eternally. Then Allah Ta'ala will say, verse 115, That did you figure, did you reckon that we had created you in vain or for fun? And, وَأَنَّكُمْ إِلَيْنَا لَا تُرْجَوْنَ And that you would not be returned to us. فَتَعَالَ اللَّهُ الْمَلَكُ الْحَقِّ And if indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is exalted and dominant above everything, He is the true ruler. لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُو There is no God except for Him. رَبُّ الْأَرْشِ الْكَرِيمِ And He is the Lord, the Rabb of the most eminent, glorious, honored throne. وَمَنْ يَدْعُ مَا اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرًا And whomsoever prays to any God except for Allah SWT لَا بُرْحَانَ لَهُ بِهِ And he has no proof and authority and warrants to do so. فَإِنَّمَا حِسَابُهُ إِنْدَ رَبِّهِ And such a person, his hisab and reckoning will take place with Allah SWT إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلَهُ الْكَافِرُونَ And Allah SWT And indeed, the unbelievers will never ever succeed, they will never be happy. So therefore this Ummah should make dua that O oh, our Rabb forgive us and send mercy on us. Indeed you are the best of those who show mercy. Okay we are going to resume inshallah. We are on Surah Furqan. Surah Al-Furqan.
Surah number 25 of Quran Al-Kareem Al-Furqan as you know means the criteria You have the same word in Urdu So actually the opening verses of the Surah Immediately in the very first verse will have the word Al-Furqan And in the beginning of the Surah is about Quran Al-Kareem Allah Ta'ala who sent Quran Al-Kareem And the way the Quran Al-Kareem will be sent as a criteria Then again in the early parts of the Surah We will have a lot of talk of Jahannam and the punishment that those who deny Qur'an al-Kareem, deny Furqan al-Hamid will have in the fire of Jannah. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan al-rajim, bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, tabarakal ladhin nazil al-Furqana ala abdihi, liyakuna lil'alameen al-Nadheera. So here the Spantala is referring to first the one who revealed Qur'an, then the Qur'an and the one to whom the Qur'an was revealed. All of that is in one sentence. So Tabaraka, full of blessing, is the one who revealed Furqan. Furqan literally means criterion, but it's referring to Qur'an al-Kareem. It's one of the names of Qur'an, is al-Furqan. To who? Ala abdihi, to his servant and slave. Right, and we mentioned this before, the response refers to Sayyidina Rasulullah Sama says, Abd. So the book was revealed by Allah Ta'ala, the book is revealed, and to the Prophet so that Sayyidina Rasulullah could become a warner to the universe. That is one translation. Second possibility is that the, so the Furqan could become a warner to the universe, a warning for all peoples, for all the worlds, for all the universes. And this is that same Allah Subhanahu to whom belongs the most the dominions of the heavens and the earth. Same Allah Subhanahu who has not taken or begotten any son, who has no partner in dominion, who has created each and every single thing. And then, After creating everything, then Allah has meticulously determined its measure and perfected it. And fashioned it completely. What the min dunihi aliha. However, yet they still, besides Allah Subhanahu they have adopted other gods, and those are gods that la yuchlukuna shea that do not create anything. Whom yuchlukuna? In fact, they themselves are created. Wada yamlukuna le anfusihim, and they have no power even to benefit themselves. wala nafa, no power to affect any harm for themselves nor to help themselves in any way. Wala yamlukuna mota, and they have no power over death. Wala hayata, nor do they have power over life. Means that they can they bring something to death, nor can they grant life. Wala nushura, nor do they have any power over resurrection. So it means negating all of Allah Ta'ala's attributes for these false gods that people have set up besides Allah Subhanahu But nonetheless, yet those who disbelieve, they still say, in hadha illa ifkun, they said this is just a lie. Lie, iftarahu. And they say that this is a lie that he, yani Sayyidina Rasulullah has contrived and invented. While a whole host of people, a qawm, an entire group has assisted him in this. So it means they're against the Sahaba Ikram. And indeed they have put forth a grave injustice and a grave falsehood. This is also an ashara. And anybody who believes that the qawm with the Prophet, the Sahaba Ikram, 
can be guilty of conspiring or colluding on a lie. Allah Ta'ala is saying in the Quran that anybody who believes that about Sahaba Ikram, they have indeed committed a grave injustice and put forth a falsehood and a fabrication. What's the other thing I say? وَقَالُوا أَسَاطِيرُ كَتَبْنَهَا كَتَبَهَا so they say that all of these things, and what they, this is what they say about Qur'an. That Qur'an is just a myth of the ancients. It's just fables of people gone long ago. And they say that this is something that the Prophet, Katabaha, that the Prophet has wrote, written this down himself. And then, And then they recited, means by his companions, recited back to him morning and evening. قُلْ سَيْدَ دَمْ نَبِيهُ كَرِيمُ صَلَّى أَنزَلَهُ الَّذِي يَعْلَمُ السِّرَّ فِي السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ That that being, it, this Qur'an al-Karim was revealed by the one who knows the secret of the heavens and the earth. إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفُورُ الرَّحِيمًا But indeed he is most forgiving, most merciful. What does that mean? That O oh, you kuffar, if uh, even after denying, disbelieving, mocking, saying all of this, even now if you take heed and accept iman and desist from these statements, you will find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rahima is indeed ever forgiving and ever merciful. وَقَالُوا مَا لِهَذَا الرَّسُولِ But what did they do? Did they accept this call invitation to Allah's mercy? No. First they were denying the Qur'an, that it's just a book of fables. Now they say negative things about the Prophet Rasul, What is it about this Prophet? Means what is the matter with this Messenger? That he eats food. And he walks in the streets of the markets. Why is it that an angel is not sent with him? And the angel could also be a warning a warner along with him. Or, O Yulka Ilehi Kanzun, or why is not a treasure sent down to him? O Takunullahu Jannatun, or why is there not an orchard and a garden that is sent down to him, that he can eat from that instead of eating from the food that normally exists in that area or in that market? And then these wretched oppressors and unjust people, they would tell the people who have believed that you, in Tatibuna, you are only following someone who is a bewitched, somebody who has been taken over by magic and bewitched. So look how they coin examples and draw comparisons and make up images about you. So they are lost, they are wandering astray. And they can never ever find the path. They are so lost, they will never ever be able to find the path. Right? So here Allah subhanahu is outlining the things they say. Right? When Allah SWT, when the, when the unbelievers say that he has a qawm that has assisted him, so one view is like I told the Sahaba Kram assisting him. Second view is that this was the particular statement of the Mushrikeen and Kufar of Makkah So the qawm and the group that was assisting the Prophet they thought it was Ahl Kitab. 
They thought that no, he has gone to the Jews and Christians and they have helped him concoct this Qur'an so that he can use it as a means to gain you know, leadership over Makkah Makarma. Right? But again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens up the way. And this is interesting, that their theory is that when they're saying things against Allah Ta'ala, when they're saying things against Qur'an, then Allah Ta'ala mentions this. Otherwise, Allah Ta'ala could have waited for the third part, when they say things against the Prophet Sallallahu and then Allah Ta'ala could have said, إِنَّهُ كَانَ غُفُورُ Rahim. So some of us have taken the nukta out that as long as they were saying things against Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, Hidayah was still possible for them. As long as they were saying things against Qur'an, Hidayah was possible for them. But then when they started saying things against Sayyidina Rasulullah that was what by their own denial of the Prophet imprinted this kufr deeply on them and such that now, in the surah that Allah Ta'ala says in the end that Undur amthal, Look at the things that they're saying about you, the examples they're presenting about you. So because of that, فَذَلُّوا They're gone. They've wandered astray, right? That they will not be able to find a path. So it means, that again we should think that we don't want to follow the same pattern of the unbelievers. So what happens when the unbelievers deny Sayyidina Rasulullah that was even worse for them when they denied, compared to us to when they denied the Qur'an or they denied Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So similarly, if we deny the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah even while accepting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, accepting Qur'an, then we will not be able to have the proper hidayah, we won't be able to follow the deen of Islam. Tabarakalladhi insha'a ja'ala laka khayran min thalika jannatin tajri min tahtihal anhar So Allah subhanahu wa says again, blessed is that being, yani Allah subhanahu wa who if he wills, insha'a, if he should will, he should make, he would give you better, better than that, better than what they were saying, they couldn't he have an angel, couldn't he have a garden that was with him that he could eat from, so Allah will make something much better for you than that, and there's a jannat, today it's a jannat, one garden, Allah will make you gardens underneath which rivers flow, and Allah will make palaces for you, but, However, the disbelievers, they deny the Day of Judgment, they deny the end of time. And Allah says, we have indeed prepared for those who deny the hour, Sa'ira, a blazing flame, a blazing flame, blazing fire. إِذَا رَأَتْهُمْ مِنْ مَكَانٍ بَعِيدٍ سَمِعُولَهَا تَغَيُّضًا وَزَفِيرًا And then when they will see that blazing fire from a distance, they will hear it's roaring and cracking and crackling and raging. So they will hear the fire also. And even the sound of the fire of Jahannam will be a torment for them. Then minha. Then when they are flung and thrown into a narrow space and they will be then bound together with their hands and feet in shackles, then what they will do, they will pray for annihilation. They will cry out that Allah Ta'ala annihilate us, eliminate us, erase us, means give us death. We, don't, we cannot exist in such a state. So what will Allah Ta'ala say to them? Wahida, 
No, no, you should not cry for a single annihilation. You should beg for many annihilations. One death even would not be able to save you from this torment of Jahannam. You should ask for many and many deaths. Allahu Akbar Kabira. Al-Aman al-Hafiz. Allahumma al-Jannah min al-Nar. Kuzalika khayrum. And then Allah Ta'ala says, that, look, is this state of the Muslim, is this better? That end that was just described? Am jannatun khullillati wu'idul muttaqeen. Or that Jannah and living forever in that Jannah that has been promised as a reward to the people of Taqwa. So it means Allah subhanahu wa is mentioning to the believers that look, if don't base your decision on whether to adopt Iman and Kufr based on anything you see in this world, base your decision to choose Iman or Kufr based on what that will bring you in the next world. Maybe they were thinking if we accept Iman then we'll be with these poor people who have already accepted Iman. And base that decision on the next world. That's advice for us also. Right? And this question could be asked to us. We can ask ourselves this question as well. That what is better for us? And those who make it, those muttaqeen who make it into that Jannah and it becomes their wa it will be a reward for them, it will be their abode and home therein. So what will they have in it? That they will have whatsoever they want and desire in there. and they will live in there forever. Kana and this is a promise. This is a promise and a pledge that your Rabb, yani the Rabb in Nabi Wasallam, that your Rabb, your Rabb of Nabi Akrim Wasallam, has taken upon himself for which your Lord is responsible and should be asked, Mas'ula, that we should beg Allah subhanahu wa for this promised reward. Right. So here Allah subhanahu wa again is mentioning his intense anger for the people who disbelieve and the punishment that will await them in the fire of Jahannam. Then similar passages in Surah Saba, Surah 35, verse Surah Fatir, Surah 35, verse 36. And that is that Allah subhanahu says that this, as for those who disbelieve, there will be a fire of Jahannam, and they will not be sentenced. لا يطالهم فيموتوا ولا يخففوا عنهم من أذابها. Neither will it be decreed for them that they will die, nor will the punishment be lightened. And as one is that okay, they could be put to death by the fire of Jahannam. No. That's not the purpose of the fire of Jannah. Even though otherwise fire would have that ability. And that's why elsewhere Quran Allah says he will keep reviving them, keep reviving, keep giving them new bone, new flesh, new skin, right? So that they would again dwell in there forever. Allah says this is how we recompense and punish every disbeliever. And then another thing Allah Subhanahu says in Quran about in contrast to here where Allah said the people of Jannah will get whatever they want in Surah this is Surah Sabah, Surah 34, verse 54, Allah subhanahu wa And a barrier will be placed between them and what they desire. As opposed to the people of Jannah who will get whatever they desire, the people of Jannah will have constant obstacles and barriers put between them and 
what they desire. Right. And here also where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said this is a this is very important. Here we're in verse sixteen of Surah Furqan, Surah twenty five, where the one we're doing where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that you should pray. Right? This is a Kana Allah So what dua should you make that we did last year in Surah Al Imran, Surah three, verse one ninety four. Rabbana wa wa atana ala rusulika. That, O oh, our Rabb, grant us and bestow upon us that which you promised to your messengers. Wala tufzin. And don't uh, disgrace us yawm al-qiyamah on the day of judgment. Inna ka la tukhtiful mi'al. Indeed, Allah tells surely you will not break and go back on your promise. Alright, so that is the dua which you make. That's the tafsir of verse 16. Day 7 and verse 17. Wa yawma. And this is the day where Allah Subhanahu says, Yashurum, the day where Allah Subhanahu will gather them. And all of those idols and false days that they worship other than Allah Subhanahu wa And Allah Ta'ala will then ask, Did you make my servants and slay Haulai, these servants of mine, go astray? Amhum or did they themselves deviate from the path? Kalu. So all of those false idols, deities, anything, anything that a person worship, they will all say, Subhanaka ma'kana yambagi lana. You, glory be to you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are pure and exalted. It could never befit us, behoove, it would never been proper to us to adopt patrons other than Anna min min that we should ever take benefactors or guardians other than you. But what happened to us was what? Walakin matatuhum wa abaahum hatta nasul zikr wa kanu kaman bura. But Allah Taala, what happened was that you granted enjoyment or laxity to their forefathers such that they forgot. The dhikr, they forgot the Qur'an, they forgot the remembrance, and then they become a lost and destroyed nation. So the Allah will address the mushrikeen and say, Look, look at these idols themselves have called you a liar for what you say. And now you will neither you will be unable to ever escape the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can neither avert it from yourself, nor would you get any nasr, you will not get any help or assistance means the punishment will not be relieved or abetted in any way. That in each and every single one of you who did even any wrong, then what will happen? We will make you taste the tremendous torment and punishment on this day. Right? So this is another, again, conversation that will take place on the Day of Judgment between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the false gods. Right? Verse 20. Now all of the messengers, right, this is response to the question that the unbelievers said that why did the Prophet some eat food, why does he walk in the markets? So Allah subhanahu that if we did not send any messengers before you except that they did eat food food and they did walk in the marketplace. And then Allah Fitna and we have made some of you as a test and trial for others will you not be patient and persevere and indeed your Rabb is ever aware and ever watchful and all seeing of what you do 
So again, this is a response to those that question that the Mishrakin sent that the Apostle Sam is eating and he's drinking and he's walking amongst us. Now, Allah Subhanahu wa here is making it clear that the fuzzel of the Anbiya is not due to any supernatural, superhuman sense abilities that they have. And this is the will of Allah Subhanahu wa but He has chosen to bless the Anbiya through this, the topic of the Surah Furqan, that they are the recipients of Wahi, that He's the recipient of Quran. What difference does it make if he still eats food and walks in the market? That's not how he's going to be distinguished over you. He is the one I have chosen to receive my Qur'an. That is what makes him superior to you. Right? Then when Allah said that we made some of you as a fitna for the others, so this has been taken in multiple ways. Different communities are a test for another. The rich are a test for the poor, the poor are a test for the rich. Right? Every one of us, the parents are a test for the children, children are a test for their parents, etc., etc. But specifically here, uh, it means that these unbelievers and their taunts are a test for the believers, and Allah Subhanahu wa wants that uh, the believers should be on suffer, right? But again, many people also feel that this means that the rich are tested the poor and the poor should have sabr. What does it mean? Test sabr here means that when the rich fail to give the poor their due or the rich manipulate the system and to, but in modern terms a global finance system in a way that the poor don't get their due then the poor should have sabr over that because if they don't have recourse proper recourse to combat that. Alright, now verse number 21. And those who do not expect or even do not hope to meet Allah subhanahu wa they're the ones who say, they will be the ones who say that why didn't Allah ta'ala send angels down to us? Or, or better yet, then why couldn't it be such that we could see our Rabb? So Allah subhanahu wa saying, what does it mean they don't expect to meet us? Allah saying it's going to happen in the Akhirah. It's going, you will get to see Allah subhanahu wa day of judgment. You will see Allah ta'ala in the Akhirah. So this is an invalid question. But why do they ask it? Lakadis takbaru because they have takambar. Fi anfusihim they are self-important. They have arrogant. Fi anfusim regards themselves. So in English we can translate it like that. They're self-important. They only have a sense of their own self-worth and their inflated egotistical sense of their own self-worth and self-importance has what? has made them choose to be uncontrollably rebellious and arrogant. There will be no... Uh, the day they see the angels, there will not be a good day for the Mujrameen, for the Mujrameen. For the angels will say to them, uh, for they, they will shout, sorry, not the angels, they, the disbelievers will shout, Stay away, stay away. If only there could be a mahjur, something that could do hijr, something that could protect us from them. What does it mean? It's referring to the angels who are going to be taking them to Jahannam. So yes, finally they will see the angels. But when they see the angels on the Day of Judgment, it will be only the angels who have come to drag them to Jahannam. So when that happens, they will not be happy or rejoicing to see them. But instead they will be saying, hijran mahjura, away, away, protect, protect, some, can something come between us and them. وَقَدِمْنَا إِلَى مَا عَمِلُوا مِنْ عَمَلٍ 
And then Allah Ta'ala says, and then we will turn all the works that they used to do, all the deeds they used to do, فَجَأَلْنَاهُ هَبَأَمْ مَنْثُورًا To scatter dust. So it means that what happens to the deeds that the atheist does, Allah Ta'ala makes it clear in this ayah of Quran, it will be turned to scatter dust in that life. In this world, they will have substance. And they will get things. A good philanthropist atheist will be given bounties by Allah Ta'ala in this world. May that bounty may be wealth, that bounty may be intelligence, that bounty may be happy married life, that bounty and blessing may be children. They will get things in this world. But on that day, then their deeds will just become like scattered dust, will have no weight, no substance, no value. Ashabul Jannati Yomidin Khairum Mustaqarum wa Ahsanum Maqila and the people and the companions of Jannah will be in the best of places on that day and they will be in the finest of resting places. In Surah Kahf, Surah 18, here also Allah here many places in Quran, Allah has mentioned the many blessings that a person will get in Jannah. In Surah 14, verse 18, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned again what another different simile about the deeds of those who don't believe. And the likeness of those who disbelieved in their Rabb, that their acts of deeds will become like ashes. That the wind will just blow away those ashes as it would happen on a stormy day. So their deeds will just be blown away the same way ashes and dust are blown away by the wind on a stormy day. So there's elsewhere, this is another place in Quran where Allah Ta'ala mentions that the amal of the unbelievers will not be a benefit to them there in that life. In the sense that they will not get any reward for that. There is one way it will benefit. In this sense, that the atheists who are good people will only get punished for their atheism. Whereas the atheists who instead of doing good deeds on earth, they were busy doing bad deeds, then they will get punished for the atheism plus their bad deeds. So the fact that a person was a good atheist will have at least that, right? But, you know, when you're talking about Jahannam, yes, there are relative levels of Jahannam. There are relative amounts or intensities of the punishment there. But it's pretty much an absolute, right? Same thing with Jannah, we mentioned earlier, there's the darajat in there. But it's still an absolute. So better that a person at least enter the, at least exit the realm of absolute kufr and enter Iman. And then within Iman, their relative amal may determine some relative place in Jannah. But once you're in that absolute realm of kufr, even what I just said is not really going to provide so much comfort. But I wanted to state that because of the theological fact that it does, in that sense, it, it does have, uh, will make a difference in the Akhirah. Right? Okay, verses number 25. Okay, now Allah subhanahu wa is saying, remember that day, and the anticipation of that day, be wary of that day, or even if you're never going to see that day, be 
be moved by the fact that this day will take place. This is on the day when the sky will be rent asunder, will be cleft with clouds, and the angels will tanzila, and the angels will descend in large numbers. And what will happen on that day? Al Rahman and true sovereignty on that day will belong to Allah Rahman, the all merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So Allah Ta'ala's mercy will be manifest and He will shower His mercy. But Wakana Yoman Adal Kafirina Asira but that day will be a difficult and trying day for the Kafirin, it'll be a difficult and trying day for the atheists and the disbelievers. Even though it is the day of Ar Rahman. So this ayah makes it clear that notwithstanding Allah Ta'ala's infinite mercy, limitless mercy, that active atheistic disbelief is something that's going to make it a trying and difficult day for them. And then what will happen to them in that difficulty is also a well-known uh, verse of Quran of Yawma yadehi that literally it means that the day the oppressor will bite his hands means bite the fingers on his hands and what will he say? Ya sabila. If only I had gone along the path with Sayyidina Rasulullah Don't say only if I believed in Allah. Don't say only if I believed in Akhirah. What's he going to say? If only I had adopted the sabil of Sayyidina Rasulullah Remember I'm showing you and I showed that earlier when does Allah Ta'ala before they denied the sabil of the Prophet Right? Obviously that means believe because the path of the Prophet was the Prophets of the ones who brought that path to humanity. Brought the path of Tawheed, right? And believing in Akhirah. But this is the person who will feel. And now specifically, this we applied to Sayyidina Rasulullah So those unbelievers of Makkah Makarimah or unbelievers thenceforth will say that. So again, remember what I keep saying. We don't want to have the same feeling that the unbelievers have. We don't want to have this, that oh, we didn't follow the sabil of the Prophet Even though we had Imam, we didn't follow his path, we didn't follow his life. And then what to, Then the second thing they will say, or she will say, and the disbeliever will say, Ya waylati laytani lam attakhidh fulanan khalila That, oh, woe to me, if only I hadn't taken X as a khalil. If only I hadn't taken so-so so-and-so as an intimate friend. I mean, this will be different for different people. It may even be a person. Ultimately, it's an idol, right? The first and foremost of it, if only I hadn't taken such and such idol as my filial. It may be some false prophet, right? If only I hadn't taken Mirza, Ghulam, Qadiani as my filial, right? It may be a person. That if only I hadn't taken this person as my friend. It was that person. He's the one who used to tell me he was only used to tell me that religion is all just fairy tales and spook tales. He was that philosophy professor who convinced me to be an atheist. He was the one I was so impressed with. She was the one who told me to go to the parties. She was the one who told me to do this. And on the day of judgment they will say, Oh, I wish I hadn't taken that person. Everyone for everyone would be different. Oh, I only wish I hadn't taken that person as a khaliyah. And the rub between these two ayahs means that I wish I hadn't taken them as a khalil instead of taking Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa as a khalil. 
I should have befriended the Prophet I should have befriended his seerah, his sunnah, his adab, his akhlaq I should have befriended that Instead I befriended something else If only I hadn't befriended that someone or something else That's what they will say لَقَدْ أَذَلَّنِي أَنِ الذِّكْرِ بَعْدَ إِذْ جَاءَنِي And that fulan, what was that, that, that khalil Right, that she, the he or she is saying that I wish I didn't befriend That indeed they misled me Allah made me be, enter the lala, misguided me Anidhikri, from the zikr Means again from the Qur'an From the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa From the nasiha that was given Ba'na inja'ani After the fact that the Qur'an had come to me The remembrance had come to me The message had come to me They deviated from it and the shaitan always is a supreme traitor. Traitor uh, and deserts human uh, traitor to humanity. And then the Messenger will say, Ya Rabbi inna Quran That O my Rabbi, O Allah subhanahu my comb in Nakomi, indeed, my call, my community, my people, they took this Quran, Mahajura, they left it. Mahajura means to leave it, to spurn it, because you view it to be useless and of no benefit. That's the long transition. How many Muslims will there be? Let's say now, some could say that, that they just took it and put it on their top shelf. Neither did they recite the Arabic Kalam Allah, nor did they learn. The meaning is so they can get hidai from the meaning. No, was their heart melted by the feelings. That's not what we would want the Prophet to say, right? On the Day of Judgment, we would want the Prophet to say that this is my person, this is my umati. Imagine what would happen to our, as the Prophet said that to Allah Ta'ala about us, that we abandoned his Qur'an and we left his, the Qur'an with which he was sent. So then also, And we have appointed <coughs> for what we have made for every Nabi, for every single Prophet and Messenger son that has come, we have made opponents to those Prophets, enemies to those Prophets, from wrongdoers, from sinners. And Allah is sufficient as a hadi, as a guide, and a sirah, as a helper. What does it mean? That no matter how many enemies the Prophet may have, Allah Ta'ala alone is sufficient to be a guide and a helper against those enemies. Allah Ta'ala alone is sufficient, kafa is sufficient as an ally. And again, this is the feeling we should have. If ever we are trying to do amal on deen Or we want to have a society of amal on deen And there are enemies within or without Or however it may be That Allah Ta'ala is sufficient as a guide and a helper for us If we were to hold fast and firm to the deen Allah Ta'ala has revealed In the face of any and all hostility, enmity, conspiracy Whatever you think exists Allah Ta'ala is sufficient Sufficient against all of that But that's going to manifest itself when we have sufficiently submitted ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. Now this incident of biting the hands, this ayah about biting the hands, is actually a specific incident that there was a particular unbeliever, mushrik of Makkah Makkah and whenever he would return from a journey, 
he would invite all the people of Makkah Makarma for a feast. And he would even invite Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu But the Prophet told him that he would refuse to accept his invitation unless he said La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah until he accepted Imam. When Ubay ibn Khalaf, another person, he heard about this, so he went to Uqba and he told Uqba that have you become, have you renounced their deen? Have you renounced the deen of the Mushrikeen? And Uqba said, uh, Uqba recited it because he really liked the Prophet personally, he wanted to, to, to attend his feast. So Uqba told Ubay that no, I didn't really disbelieve in our deen by heart. What happened was that that, that Prophet was refusing to accept my invitation unless I said these words. So I said those words because I wanted that he should eat with me. So Obey then told him that Uqba, we will never accept you, that you're really one of us, until you go and be rude to the Prophet We want to see that you really didn't believe in him. So then Uqba went and he went to the Prophet and he behaved with the Prophet very rudely, right? Uh, and then the Prophet told him then that Allah was revealed to me, that you will meet a death outside of Makkah And the same Uqba was then killed on the battle of Badr. So here it's referring that one meaning of this is that Uqba will say this on the day of judgment that if only I had, instead of taking Ubay as my Khalil, I should have taken the Prophet as my friend and my Khalil. Alright, so that's the original sabab or occasion on which this verse was revealed and I've already commented on its more general meaning that anyone and everyone on the Day of Judgment who took false friends over the way of the Prophet would say that. Verse 32 kafaru And those who disbelieve they say You may have seen these people ask this question Why is it that the Quran is not revealed at once? Why is it coming down over, and it ends up being a process of 21, 22 years? Right? Remember I told you, you have to be very, very watchful of this. That believers asking the same questions that disbelievers ask in Quran. So why didn't it come down? So now listen to the answer to the question. Or somebody asked generally the question, as a gen, genuine way to ask this question that I'm wondering, you know, a Muslim student can ask. What was the wisdom behind Allah Ta'ala revealing the Qur'an in pieces over such a period of time? So Allah Ta'ala has explained this, Qadhalik, and such does Allah Ta'ala operate, لِنُثَبِّتَ بِهِ فُؤَادَكَ So that we could strengthen, spiritually strengthen the heart of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi And so thereby we have revealed it gradually, gradually. And whenever we and Allah whatever ridiculous question they bring and pose to you, that we will give you bilhaq, we will give you the truth, and the best and the best explanation. So what does this mean? Number one. Uh, the Quran that was revealed over 23 years how, number one, the Prophet being strengthened every time the revelation came the Prophet would feel strength and because the mission of Nabuat was going to last 23 years Allah SWT wanted to keep strengthening the heart of the Prophet because the heart of the Prophet was spiritually strengthened and spiritually consoled through revelation that make that a separate thing. Spiritually strengthened revelation. Second, 
in those 23 years, the Allah Ta'ala knew that the Prophet was going to face opposition, enmity, difficulty. And so along the way, Allah Ta'ala wanted to keep sending revelation to console the Prophet that Allah Ta'ala is here, Allah Ta'ala is watching, and Allah Ta'ala is sending revelation pertinent to your specific situation, even if that revelation may have more wider, universal, general import. Third reason is uh, that these questions that they would keep asking, Allah Ta'ala wanted that any time they ask you a question, yes, 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 Allah should answer the question through revelation. So these are three ways, at least in this passage of Quran, that Allah Ta'ala has explained His wisdom and His wish and His intention as to why He revealed the Quran al gradually on Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Verse number 34 And those who will be resurrected uh, They will be resurrected and herded towards Jahannam on their faces Right? They will be resurrected and herded towards Jahannam on their faces They will be in the most evil and worst of states and places and sabila, and they will have been the most deviant and the most deviated from the path and the way. Okay, means that it means that they will be resurrected on their faces. It can be literal that they will be literally dragged on their faces, and it also means that they will be stunned in astonishment uh, that they are witnessing th- the reality of that which they disbelieved their whole life. And they will be on the most because Adallah, I explained this to you once before as well. Adallah Sabila means that now there's no possibility of correcting. Because they're in the Akhra, they're off track. And this is a way of being off track that you can never come back on track because the chance to come back on track has passed. Verse 35 to 44. As it we gave the Kitab to we made. His brother Sayyidina Hurun al-Islam, a vizier, an assistant prophet to him. Then Kulna, we said to the two of them, Idhaba that two of you should go to such a community that is falsifying our signs and verses of revelation. And then what happened, Allah Ta'ala fast forward to the end of that story, and then we annihilated that Qawm, that community. Right, which is when Allah Ta'ala drowns Sayyidina uh, drowns Fir'aun and the army that follows. 37 one ayah Allah Ta'ala is giving an ishara. 37 Allah Ta'ala mentions Waqam Nuhin and again similarly the Qawm of Nuh when we drowned them when they rejected the messengers and we made them a sign. We made them a sign for all people. And we have prepared for their wrongdoers and sinners and oppressors and a terribly, excruciatingly painful punishment. And similarly, we also annihilated the communities of Ad and Samud as well. And uh, this means, and the people of the well. And many generations, and many, many generations between them. Okay. We have coined similitudes and made examples. Each and every one. And we annihilated and demolished each and every single one. Right? Verse 4, 
وَلَكَدْ أَتَوْ عَلَى الْقَرْيَةِ الَّتِي أُمْتِرَتْ مَتْرَسُّ And then these people, have, they surely have come across that town or that village that was destroyed through a destructive rain or showered by a destructive rain. أَفَلَمْ يَكُونُوا يَرَوْنَهَا And did they not see it and reflect upon it? بَقَنُوا لَا يَرْجُونَ نُشُورَا But don't, they don't realize, they don't even expect to be resurrected. And verse 42, And when they see you, Nabi Akareem Wasallam. When they say you, Nabi Akram, they only wish to ridicule you and they say, that This is the person who Allah Ta'ala sent as the messenger. And then they say about the Prophet that he nearly led us away from our gods. And we would have done so, we would have left the gods, unless we had persevered on our idolatry. That very soon, shortly, they will see the punishment that will overcome them. And they will come to know Man Adallah Sabila and they will come to know who is it that has actually gone astray, who is the misguided one. For the Aretha Minatakhade Elahu Hawa and are you not amazed and do you not gaze in wonder at that person who has made his own whims and fancies, taken them as gods, so taken their desire as a god, taken their greed as a god, taken their envy as a god. فَأَنْتَ تَكُونُ عَلَيْهِ وَكِيلًا And then will you become a wakil for them? Will you become an agent or guardian for them? أَمْ تَحْسَبُ أَنَّ أَكْثَرَهُمْ يَسْمَعُونَ And do you think that most of them hear أَوْ يَعْقِلُونَ or understand إِنْهُمْ إِلَّا كَلْأَنْ But in fact most of them are just like cattle and animals بَلْ هُمْ أَذَلُّ سَبِيلًا But in fact they are even more astray they are even more astray and more abased than them. So here Allah Ta'ala mentioned first the communities of Ad and Samud, then many people in between, and then sorry, the city on which rain showered down, this was the city, community of Lut, Sayyidina Lut Islam, and that we discussed earlier in Surah Araf and in Surah Dud. The Mushrikeen of Makkah Makarramah had passed the ruins of that calm, this is the calm of Sodom, hence the word Sodomy, this is between Makkah Makarramah and Sham. So when you go from Makkah to Syria on the trade route, they would pass that. But they didn't look. They, they passed by the ruins of a civilization, but it had no impact on them. It didn't move them. So that's what Allah SWT is saying, that you go by it, but you don't understand. You don't take ibrath from it. And that's because you still or stubbornly don't believe that you were going to be resurrected. Then there was mention of a people of a well. Different Mufassirin have had many different views about who were the people of the well. Some say that this was the community that Sayyidina Shu'ayb was sent to do da'wah to invite to Allah Taala. But they were rebellious and Allah Taala caused them all to be buried inside this big well. There are several views about who the people of the well were. Right? Either we hear Allah Subhanahu was mentioning one by one that these previous Anbiya had come and the previous communities had disbelieved in them and then when they see the punishment then they will realize who has strayed from the path. Then Allah said that in addition to people who take idols and false gods and other religions to worship there are also some people who worship their own nafs their own whims, their own desires, their own wishes. That is also a problem. And then Allah Ta'ala is asking Sayyidina Rasulullah will you want to be a wakil over such a person? 
Again, for us to think that if we follow our nafs, if we follow our own wishes, our own passions, Allah Ta'ala Himself is asking the Prophet that would you want to be a wakil for such a person? Right? And then Allah Ta'ala is telling, asking the Prophet do you think they hear and they understand? They're like animals. They're like animals. What does it mean? They're there. They're receiving Quran, but they don't really hear it. They don't really understand it. They don't really follow it. They're like animals who have gone astray. They have gone very astray. Verses 45 to 52. I think we can finish this because there's not much commentary that we have to do here. Allah do you not see how your Rab, how Allah Subhanahu has extended the shade and shadow? If you will, Allah Subhanahu could have made it stationary and stand still. Allah Subhanahu made the sun as a guide, means the sun determines the shadow, the waning and the waxing of the shadow. Verse 46, and gradually Allah says, we withdraw that shadow to ourselves. And Allah subhanahu is the one who made the night as a garment for you, as a protective cloak for you, and has made sleep a form of rest, and has made day a revival, a time to spread forth and venture forth, a day a time to venture forth. He, Allah subhanahu is the one who sends the winds as a conveyor of glad tidings ahead of and advance of his divine mercy, and he showers pure water from the skies as a rain. Allah subhanahu uses that rain to revive the dead land with it, and thus Allah Ta'ala also gives drinking water to a multitude of animals and many people. Verse 50, we have certainly distributed it between them so that they may be mindful, but most people disdain, meaning most people disdain and choose to be ungrateful, or kufura can also be disobedient, kufura can also be disbelievers. 51 Then if we had will, we will send a warning to every single little village. Every single little village. So Allah has sent Anbiya to every overall human community, but not to every specific individual village. And you should not follow the disbelievers, but you should wage a mighty struggle against them. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, verse 53, that who are the Okay, let's actually comment on a couple of things over here. Here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just talking about the shadow and the sun as yet another sign. Like there was alternating the day and the night is a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Within the day, the waxing and waning, lengthening and shortening of the shadow is also the sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if you wanted to, you could have come to a standstill, means that Allah ta'ala is qadr over the sun and qadr over the earth and the earth's rotation on its axis, the earth's orbit around the sun. If Allah ta'ala wants, He can put that system to a stop and then the shadows would no longer lengthen and shorten or wax and wane. This is a very important thing Allah Ta'ala has made the night as a garment for us. So this is understood in one way that the night, uh, it, it conceals, it covers, it enshrouds. 
It's also libas in the sense of like when you sleep, you like to sleep with a blanket over you. So it's a protective blanket for a person to sleep over, a person to sleep under. Uh, and it's the day is nushura. Nushura means to spread forth, to venture forth. So it's clear that at night a person is meant to rest, and day a person is meant to venture forth. Again, those societies that have evolved in the antithesis to Iman, they're up all night and they sleep all day. And again, as Muslim believers, you don't want to, right? Especially our boys, they go to sleep and they stay asleep until from Fajr to Zohar they sleep, right? And from Isha to Fajr they're awake, <laughs> right? So Allah Subhanahu and it means there's more barakah when you sleep at night. The more restorative, the restorative power of sleep, Allah Ta'ala said, put barakah in that when you sleep between Isha and Fajr. And if you try to sleep the same amount from 7 a.m. to 12 noon, the same five hours, it won't have the same restorative power in it. Similarly, the earning power that Allah Ta'ala has put in the barakah and is a risk that you venture forth, that is more there in the morning hours. Whether that means you're to study in the morning, to work in the morning, to farm in the morning, whatever a person does, the productivity. Allah Ta'ala has put barakah and productivity in the daylight hours and put barakah in rest in the nighttime hours. Right? And if a person ends up living a life where they say, or do dinner out, so that means Allah Ta'ala then has put in a good way because they're so busy, then Allah Ta'ala can put productivity and barakah and rest in both of a.m. and p.m. Those are for those special awliya ulama who are working 24 hours for the deen, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa or the mujahid who has to engage those who want to hurt Islam day and night, then for them productivity and rest, both of them are put in both the day and the night. This, when Allah subhanahu wa says that he has sent his uh, Allah subhanahu wa sent his winds as a conveyor of glad times ahead of his mercy, right? Here the Mufassir has written that the winds here mean that before it rains, you will feel the gust of cool wind. And you can definitely may experience it here in the core, that you can tell it's going to rain. So first the clouds come, then a cool wind come in advance for his mercy. Right? As an advance notice for his mercy. So in our case it means we have to quickly close the door so the basement doesn't get flooded. So it's part of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Then when Allah said he sent water that purifies, ma'an tahura. So ma'an tahura, this is a new concept of water. Up to now Allah sent water from the skies as rain which gives vegetation to grow fruit to go. Water is viewed in our deen as pure and purifying. Water is pure and purifying. Whether we use it to purify ourselves in ghusl, purify ourselves in wudu, purify our clothing through washing, purify any impurity through washing it, this is also a mercy of Allah subhanahu wa that He sent down from the sky something that will bring about purity, that can remove impurity. And then the sec- then Allah Ta'ala mentions it secondly, but what has been mentioned many times, that the water revives the dead land. And third, and Allah Ta'ala mentions the third thing of water, وَنُسْئِيَهُ مِمَّا خَلَقْنَا أَنْ آمَنُ وَأَنَاسِيَ كَثِيرًا that Allah Ta'ala uses this rain water to provide drinking water. For humanity. So there's so many barakah even just in this water. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that indeed 
we have distributed that between the means that the rainwater is distributed it's not like it only rains in one part of the world or in one time of the world rain is scattered throughout the world throughout human settlements so that people would take heed but it means Allah is saying that if you have the right heart even just the phenomenon of rain is enough for make, to make you believe in him and fall in love with him but unfortunately again most people then unfortunately most people end up being ungrateful and unheeding of this right then this last part was said we want to be would have sent a Nabi to every single village what does that mean and this is first and foremost to say that Rasulullah means that Nabi Yisrael's task would have been lightened one prophet from Makkah Madinah, then send another prophet from Madinah Manorah, then send another prophet to Taif, right? But no, Allah is saying, that's not what I want. You are Rahmatul Al-Alameen. You are Khatim Al-Nabiyeen. Yes, Allah is acknowledging in a sense that I have put this mantle of universal prophethood on you. But that's what I want, it's my wish and will. If I, Allah had wanted, I could have sent multiple Anbiya to multiple villages. But no, I want it to end, and I want it to end with you, and you are the Prophet ﷺ for anyone and everyone for every village. Right? And the last of the Spantal said that one should not obey the disbelievers. Now what does it mean, La Tote? Obviously it means that one should not obey the disbelievers in their disbelief. And specifically Allah Ta'ala is telling Sayyidina Rasulullah because those of you in Arabic, Fala Tote is single. Amr, Hazar, Ghaib, Siga, Wail Mkhatab Remember? So it's telling the Prophet Don't listen to their traps Don't follow them Don't give in to them in any way And when they Come out against you In Badr and in Uhud And here and there وَجَاهِدْهُمْ بِهِ جِهَادًا kabira, Then you should wage An immense struggle against them Right? Wait an immense struggle against them when they come out against you. Alright, we'll have to stop over here. I'm tempted to keep here. Sometimes I push it with you. Take me about 10 15 minutes more to finish the surah. Inshallah, we'll finish it tomorrow. So we are here tomorrow. We resume Surah Furqan, Surah 25, verse 53. Slightly behind schedule. I've made a schedule now for myself. We have to finish Surah Furqan today. Inshallah, we'll finish it tomorrow. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you put in each and every one of our hearts and the hearts of our friends and families and the entire Ummah 
all of the sifat of the mu'mineen that you mentioned in Surah Al-Mu'minun. Ya Rabbi Kareem, make us humble in our salah, make us penitent in our salah, make us concentrate in our salah, make us feel you in our salah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we too want to be amongst those mu'mineen to whom you promised in Quran Al-Kareem that they will inherit for those. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, make us preserve and offer all of our salah. Let us pay our zakah regularly and passionately. Let us purify ourselves regularly and passionately. Ya Allah, let us honor all of the trust that are given to us. Let us be true to all the promises we have made. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we ask that you bestow upon us that path and guide us on that path, guide us along that path. Push us along that path that will lead us to your pleasure, Ya Allah, to your rada, Ya Allah. There is nothing more than we want in this world except to be pleasing to you, except to be beloved to you. Ya Allah, we ask that you make us in that way, mold us in that way, shape us in that way that is pleasing and beloved to you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you attach our hearts to Quran al-Majid, Furqan al-Hamid. Ya let us use this Quran as the Furqan for everything in our lives. Let everything in Quran guide every decision that we make. And Ya Allah, Kareem, let us love, have our love for you, the revealer of Quran, our love for Nabi Kareem, so some the method through which that Quran was revealed. Ya Allah, we ask that you attach us to his sabil, attach us to the path of Sunnah, the path of Sirah, the path of his Nabuwa. Ya Allah, we ask that you open up our eyes to any and all of our intimate friends who may be a source of regret for us in the next life. Ya Allah, we ask that you disconnect us from them, that you provide better companions from, for us in this world. Ya Allah, we ask that you make us the companion of the companions and the companion of the Prophet in the next life. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you accept all of our fasts in this month of Ramadan, all of our salah in this month of Ramadan, all of our du'as in this month of Ramadan. Ya Allah, after this month passes, let us be true to who we were in this month. Let us have that same level of taqwa, that same level of Quran, that same level of ibadah, that same level of salah, that same level of zikr, that same level of dua. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us continuity on our deen, istiqamat on our deen. Ya Allah, Ya Rahman Rahimeen, Rabbana taqabal minna innaka anta al-sameel alim, wa tubu alayna innaka anta al-tawabu rahim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad, وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا رحم الله